Hello, my name is Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast, Beyond the Red Zone, a TIR Presents show. It's our sports show. We do everything here at TIR because we see nothing to the right. We coming for you, nigga. That's right. I'm saying it on the main show. I don't give a damn. It's Rebellious Wednesday. Officially. There's no more gentrification of White Guy Wednesday. I've taken it over. It's a black neighborhood now. Predominant black neighborhood. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to talk football today. We're going to talk a little NBA today. Definitely going to talk a little college football today. Before you start, if you're enjoying what you see here, a lot of you guys were looking at some numbers the other day. A lot of you guys that watch this show are not subscribers. Is a very passive thing. Doesn't cost you a dime. Subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're alerted whenever we go live. And we do fun shows like these, especially these shows. These shows are very interactive. Tomorrow night we're going to be extremely interactive as Tucson has voted to open up the phone lines once again. Just kidding. So we'll be opening up the phone lines once again tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. We won't be going as long as we did last time because we'll be going to the champagne room. But we will be opening up the phone lines. So good times tomorrow. Get ready. Can't wait to hear your takes. Also, tickets are on sale. There should be a link in the description wherever you're watching or listening to the show to the Live meet and greet for the book launch. It's not just going to be me. It's going to be me and a bunch of heavy metal and punk rock le- legends. Chris Contos, the original drummer of Machine Head and Attitude Adjustment. He's in Forbidden now. Craig LaCicero's and Death and Man Made God. Also, original member of Forbidden. Rick Hanolt, original Exodus member. It's going to be a good time. Definitely a lot of gear talk because where this is going to be held. It's going to be like gear everywhere. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of gear talk. I'm I'm getting ready for the gearhead talk. I'm very excited for that. But enough with that. Let me bring in the man you guys really came here to see. Because we know there's only one real host in the red zone. And that is my boy, Mac. There you go. Sorry about that. How is everybody? I'm and Jason, good, I'm not going to lie. I'm tired of living in predominantly white neighborhoods because they're boring, <laughs> not as fun, and usually involve some form of an HOA, which is just <laughs> fascism on a local level. We <laughs> In the champagne room last night, I don't think I sent this to you, but there's this dude that made this video. This woman has kind of an extreme bob asymmetrical haircut and this dude did a whole a whole kind of description on who this woman is and what the haircut is and he's it's again it's like an extreme bob asymmetrical cut and he goes this woman is the terror of the hoa oh yeah (laughs) he goes he goes she has three mixed race kids and they're all late for soccer practice yep and and the thing is, she's probably got like a cherry red vehicle, right? <laughs> so 
you tell the kids, like your kids, like, listen, you little assholes, you know she's going to be around the neighborhood. Put your bike away. <laughs> and on Saturday mornings, one of you better be out there with that goddamn lawnmower. You better get out there with it because I'm not getting another fine. I'm not doing it. He said, he said, he says she supports Black Lives Matter, but she just wants to know why you have to be so loud about it. Um, excuse me, Mr. McGinnis, Mr. McGinnis, <laughs> a small sign in the window that says I support BLM is fine, but this flag nonsense has got to stop. It's too much. We can only allow American flags or POW flags. Or the don't tread on me flags. Or oh oh, so we can have those, but I can't put my international brigade flag up. What? what? Yeah, like what is that? No, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Oh, gonna, I have to spin this for you. I can Should I play it for you? Dude, just play it. <laughs> just play it. I mean, we're here for the sports, but let's face it, you and I. When Toussaint's not here, we do not stay on track very well. And if we're, <laughs> we're going to go off the rails, we might as well do it at the beginning. You know, we'll just lean into it rather than fight against. Like, when I found this, I wasn't sure if I was going to play it on the on the show. And then I was like, ah, before we do, because Pascal came to the champagne room last night. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, yeah. He And he, like, wanted to come. I didn't have to drag him. Usually oh, there's... Well yeah, yeah I, I know there's a little bit of like listen pascal be a bro give us 15 <laughs> minutes it's all we're asking me you know asking you and pascal's like oh, oh, okay. like oh god yeah and like i just spent two hours with you people like can i just go go do whatever i want now yeah, not, not even two hours it's like fucking <laughs> I, I just spent 45 minutes with you people. <laughs> what the fuck what do you what do you think this is a job um yeah. <laughs> Well, before you show the video, it's funny. Like I'm telling my buddies about uh, how, like how I do the show with you when we mm-hmm. when we have the time, and they're like, "Wait a minute, dude! Like you white as fuck. I already watched Jason." <laughs> right? And I was like, "Oh, that's great! That's great!" He's like, "But he letting the white folks in?" And I was like, "Bro, I've, <laughs> I was like, I've been in, okay." Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm renting. I'm renting space above his garage right now. Okay. <laughs> we're the, we're the like, nice black neighborhood with like poor white people in it. <laughs> people see white people walk around. They're like, ah, oh, are you? No, we're not homeowners. We're renting. <laughs> I, I bet you Max on meth. I just. <laughs> and it's just Look black people just shaking their heads like, oh, <laughs> what a waste. What a waste. It's so much potential. We need so to take much. him to church. <laughs> uh, that. He needs a big hat, though. Can you wait? Look at this woman. Oh my gosh! Wait, okay, listen. Okay, hold on. What I'm talking about? That's not a Bob. That's a Robert. And you better <laughs> not call it anything else. She got three biracial kids, and they all late for soccer practice, and it's your fault. And you gonna deal? When she speaks to a manager, they stay spoken to even after she leaves the establishment. I'm really liking this, though. She said, "Who is Rihanna?" <laughs> She's a good girl going to tell the manager. I love this. Yes, she's sending her entree back, even though it's exactly what she ordered. <laughs> and you're going to pay for it. It's complimentary. Her name is Stacy with an eye, and the cops are going to hear about this. In her defense, she just wants to know what you're doing here because she knows the owner. 
She has no issue with Black Lives Matter, but why do you have to be so loud about it? I'm going to need you to speed this up. She's going to be late to Jaden's football practice. She said, no face, no case. You know she got to fight the black man off in this hairstyle. This hairstyle said, why is it okay for them to say it, but I can't say it. I just know she is the villain of the homeowners association. Oh, please, girlfriend, my husband's black. During the cashier alive, they can reject her expired coupon. See, this is what I'm talking about. That's not a bar. Wow, man. There's not a cashier alive that won't accept her expired coupon. I mean, bro, why would you? What? What? <laughs> what possesses a woman to go into her salon and say, you know what I need? I'm gonna need the Karen, but I'm gonna need an extra nine inches on it. <laughs> I'm gonna need extreme Karen. Right? <laughs> extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I feel right. like you can only rock that hairdo with the most bedazzled denim ever. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Dude, you know she's still wearing like uh like tap out shit. <laughs> <laughs> she's got like the juicy couture, like pink oh, rocking sweatshirt. Yes. Yeah, so, rocking it. You know rocking it. Yeah, man. Like that's you. <laughs> can't see said no face no case. Yep. i mean I, I i have to admit i am impressed with her commitment to the bit right <laughs> <laughs> um you know well eric she probably does do hot yoga three times a week. <laughs> i uh i agree with you there, eric. I mean, <laughs> How do you think I keep this core? Okay. My posture immaculate. And Jaden, Jared, Jaden, Jared, and Malcolm. Okay. They're going to have great, great spine alignment as well. Last night on the show, we were talking about the type of white woman that I'm looking for at this point in my life. Good, good credit. Yep. Gotta have a. If it's not a seven fifty, we just, we can't talk. Yeah, we can date, but there's no long term future. With <laughs> seven fifty. <laughs> she needs to be a part time yoga instructor. Okay. And uh, cannot have that haircut. Cannot. Dude, I don't. I mean, the way that's gonna catch on like hotcakes, man. So you better. <laughs> You better get used to like when she's like getting ready to go down on you. She just pulls like this <laughs> the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Claus, I know she got to escort ZX. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, she's got the leather, you know, warming seats. Oh. You know, she wouldn't have, have it any other way. Yeah. You know. Can't wait to tell you too. Are yep. you cold? Oh, don't <laughs> worry, sweetie. I got you. I Look. got heated seats. Are you cold? Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry about how it smells, but, you know, the boys, they all play sports, and they have their bags are just, oh. You know how Jayden's boys are. For football. That's right. And Jaden, oh, he's never on time. When he said, when he said she got three biracial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's like it's like J A Y D E N. Oh, D I N. 
just oh, yeah, to be G-I-N. a real fucking doucher. Yeah. And then you got Jared, J E R R Y D, and Malcolm, but it's like M A L K U M or something like that. That's the one name the black dad got to throw in. Yeah, but she still she still like put the white bomb twist <laughs> into the spelling, you know? Malcolm Anthony. His name yeah. is like Malcolm Anthony. Yeah. You know. And and poor dad's poor dad's like, I love all my kids, but you know, little Malcolm, that's my dude. <laughs> like Jade and Jared in the back, like, Dad, we can hear you. We can hear you. I didn't name you. That was all your mom. I wasn't even allowed in the delivery room. He said Stacy with an I. <laughs> oh man. You know why that's funny? Because this is the person that is at the game. We're talking about the sports show. When we're at the game, it is Stacy with an I that Mm -hmm. starts. You know how you see those fights in the stands? There's two people that do that. Stacy with the I and then the super hood chick. Oh, no. Then there's the third. You have the the fat drunk guy who smashed by the end of first quarter. (laughs) Because he went to, like, if you're in Cleveland, you go to the Muni lot to fucking mm-hmm. tailgate before, like, a 1 o'clock kickoff, right? But you get there at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. So it could be Cleveland, Ohio. I want everybody to picture this. Close your eyes and picture it. <laughs> it's Cleveland, Ohio, mid-December. You have seven-foot-high piles of snow where the snow plows have just pushed it out of the street. And it's just accumulating. It's in various different colors. At the very top, it's the whitest it's going to be because that's where the newly fallen snow is. Then the lower you get, the darker it gets until on the very ground, it's black. And that's from the salt, the pavement, the dirt. It kind of creeps up the gray about halfway through. And right behind this mound is the Muni lot. Yes, I know you're wondering, Mac, what is the Muni lot? Well, friends, the Muni lot is the municipal parking lot. It used to serve as the primary place to park when Municipal Stadium was still standing. And rather than fill it up with a building or perhaps a parking garage so more people would have a safe place to park, they left it open and charge you $40 for a parking spot. Oh, get fucked. And you're like, you know what? This is where the real Browns fans hang out. So this is where I'm going to be. And at 8 o'clock on Sunday... All those Irish, Polish Catholics, Serb Orthodox, members of our Black Baptist communities, and they should be getting ready for church. Oh, no. They're at the Muni lot, decked out in the warmest clothing that they have, which for some of them is a 1990s era starter jacket that pulls over with the big pocket in the front and the bright, vibrant colors mixed with the team colors. And they've got on the new hats some of them had just been, you know, like, fuck warmth. Here I am, base layer, long underwear with my Browns jersey, probably from about 10 years ago on it, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of having a current player, like, we'll go Amari Cooper, you know, instead of David Njoku or Miles Garrett, you've got Tayshawn Gibson before he <laughs> added senior to the back of his jersey, so you sit there and people have got grills going and they're grilling as only old white guys do a little bit of salt and pepper on some pre-made patties <laughs> buns that weren't properly sealed. Right. So they're a little bit crunchy for not the right reasons. And you've only got the finest 
finest of poor man's beers, the Bud Lights, the Miller Lights. Maybe you get somebody that had a really rough day at the casino downtown the night before, and he's busting out some Strohs or some PBR. And you know what? You all just throw in together. You pull your coolers in, you crack them open, and you let the conversation start. Well, you know, if we didn't play DTR against the Steelers, we'd be five and one. <laughs> that PJ Walker really surprised me. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't start playing better, we need to go to him full time. Man, that Nick Chubb injury was really bad. <laughs> but you know what? Kevin Stefanski and then someone out of left field. Stefanski can suck my dick. He should be fired. And then everybody starts getting into the normal football back and forth. And then the old white guy, his name's probably Tony, maybe Mark or Mike. He goes, burgers are up. And you run over to that grill and you eat one of these pre-made patties with just a little bit of sprinkling of salt and pepper on it. You grab your toppings, you throw it on there, and you eat it. And then you sit there and drink until noon. And then you go in this Cleveland Brown Stadium right there on the lake. And you're like, God damn, it's even colder in here than it was out in the Muni lot. And why, dear listeners, why is it colder? Well, because it's in the middle of fucking Lake Erie. That's why. And you've got the wind that just whips off and swirl, gets caught in the stadium and it swirls around. And that's why when people are like, why, does, why do the Browns lean into the run so much? Well, go ahead and try and throw a football in the middle of 25 to 35 mile per hour swirling winds. It's not what you would call pretty. <laughs> so you're thinking, man, any given Sunday, right? The Browns showed it last weekend. Any given Sunday, any team can win. But on this particular Sunday, the Browns returned to form, managed to defeat victor or defeat from the jaws of victory. And the Browns fans file out of the stadium. Probably mid-third quarter because they're down by 30. And they just want to get to the bar before it gets too crowded. You traipse back through the Muni lot. Look around at the good times you had starting at 8 a.m. And wonder, where did I go in my life? What did I do to where I ended up here at this time as a Browns fan and yet another chaotic season? Will I ever see a Super Bowl win in my life? Will anybody ever love me? As much as I love the Browns. And you see quickly that the hairy buffalo or the winking lizard have their doors open and they're offering a drink special because the Browns have lost yet again. And you slide into one of them and you grab a $2 Miller Lite tall boy and you sit down on that bar stool and you wait for the rest of your compatriots to get there. And you bemoan what has happened to this once proud franchise and drink until you forget your name. <laughs> and then you wake up the next day and you do it all over again because this is northeast ohio and we're under snow nine months a year and that's how you survive okay that is that is it and that's the cleveland browns <laughs> i do want to ask you a serious question about the cleveland browns the cleveland browns pulled off a pretty big upset me yeah. personally, I felt the 49ers were prime for one. I don't really believe Brock Purdy is as advertised. I think there's a reason why he went so late in draft. 
Yes, I agree with you. And, <laughs> you know, being a Pac-12 homer, I'm waiting for Darnold to get the call. Yes, I know. I know. All it jokes is. aside, all jokes aside, he couldn't handle the rush. Oh, dude. And then here's the thing, Jason. Nobody can handle that rush right now. Nobody. Um, whether it's coming from the front four alone, whether it's a, a blitzing linebacker. I mean, fuck, against the Niners, Schwartz blitzed both safeties on the same play. <laughs> That's and bold. Grant, yeah, and Grant Delpit ended up getting a sack. Schwartz has been, Jim Schwartz has been the smartest investment at the coaching level in the NFL this year because the Browns have shown they can draft players. What they haven't been able to show is they can develop those players, right? That's a great point. And this year on the defensive side of the ball, holy shit. Okay? Like, that is just nuts. Uh, Miles Garrett, you know, they thought if we just get another pass rusher across from him, he's going to blow up even more. So they went with the Clowney for two years, which was a fucking mistake. Um, you know, but like. Why do you think Clowney was a mistake? Are you not sold we, on Clowney? Well, Clowney's not a pass rusher. He never was. He had one season in in college where he had nine sacks. He was a run stuffer because he was so quick to get off his block and shed it. He was able and fast enough to track. That's why he got drafted for that hit. I know, literally got yes. drafted for that hit. And then he had you know, crazy combine. He's a he's an athletic freak, but he. Oh, dude, yeah. But he was never like he he's. <clears throat> He's been away. I mean, like, I wouldn't say he's a bust. He's had a long career. He's managed mm-hmm. to stay in the league. Mm-hmm. But would you say he was worth the number one overall pick? Fuck no. Like, no. that was a burnt pick, right? But Schwartz has put the Browns' defensive side of the ball in the best places to, like, he knows where to put guys for them to succeed. And on top of that, I don't think I've seen a defense hit this hard since, like, the mid-'90s. And they're doing it clean. There's not a lot of penalties on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, dude, they just shellacked Christian McCaffrey. And it wasn't even those two hits where, like, the first time he left the field and then he came back and then he went off again. Mm-hmm. Dude, he was getting beat up the entire game. He's so a tough dude. Tackled, you have to admit that Christian right? McCaffrey. And it's the same thing with Debo. Oh. And I oh, – <clears throat> oh, yeah, dude, we saw – I mean, I watched him a lot when he was with the Panthers. Dude played hurt all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And especially for a guy his size running in between the tackles, like he's a fucking ripped dude. I think he's got like a 14 pack, but <laughs> like he's not big and bulky. No, you know, he's not he's not uh, Derrick Henry. Right. So him make I mean, he makes a living in between the tackles McCaffrey. I don't know how a guy his size does it. Um, But like the fact that he that's that's how he plays, like he's going to be dinged up. So you've got to be able to rotate him out. But the thing is, he's. He leads the NFL right now and touches, you know, Yeah. like you can't keep doing that to him through the course of a 17 game season. You've got to be smart and rotate those other running backs in like Shanahan did before McCaffrey got there, you know, with like Mostert and I can't, uh, I think Jeff Wilson was there for a little bit. Like he had, at one point he had three running backs with like 600 yards each, yeah. you know, a couple years ago with the Niners. So like this team knows how to play, you know? And, and having a game changer like McCaffrey, that's great. But I think that goes back to the point that you made. Brock Purdy, dude, me and you would look well behind the offensive line San Francisco has. Yeah. Throwing to wideouts like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, having a tight end like George Kittle, and a running back like Christian McCaffrey. 
you know, granted, Kittle's use is way down. I don't know what is going on with him. Um, Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, like Debo is nuts. Uh, mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, McCaffrey, well, yeah, there, there's probably a lot to that. But still, if I have a game change in tight end that catches and runs like a wide out, I would be I would be making plays where he's the primary read, you know, not a secondary or, you know, a, a tertiary read. So I don't know. Shanahan, there's a reason that like he got his first offensive coordinators gig at like 12 years old. Like he knows. What he's doing. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just think that there's some work to be done in San Francisco. And I think the Browns have kind of given teams the blueprint and how to kind of bottle up that San Francisco offense and try and make uh, Brock Purdy beat you. And he showed that he couldn't do it. He was like someone in chat said he was under pressure the entire time. Very true. Um, but he showed he wasn't that accurate. Like, and that's been kind of his thing since, you know, he got the, the nod to start last year. That was my thing that he's throwing to massive windows in San Francisco. And early this season, yeah. he's been hitting just massive windows he's had, right? And I wanted to see what happened if he didn't get those windows because the Browns have a pretty decent secondary. And I think we saw. Will it happen every week? I don't think so because I don't think every defense is Cleveland. So regardless if yep. they have the blueprint, you also got to have the players, right? You have yep. the players to, to put that level of pressure on on Brock Purdy and and whoever else they they want to throw at you. And I think San Francisco might be in the running next year to to pick up a running back. Um, there's still some interesting I mean, moves going around. I would really think they should draft one. Uh, you get a young dude in to follow Christian McCaffrey, kind of get find a guy in the same mold, which there are a ton of great runners in college football right now. Are there any McCaffrey? Players. Look, we talk about, was it me and you the other day? It was me and you the other day talking tech through text. And we're talking about Caleb Williams. And I, I'm not yeah. going to jump. We're going to you know put a pin in this, but Caleb Williams, in my opinion, and Shadur Sanders and Michael Penix Jr. are three generational talents that don't come around. This is like the 83 draft. You're going to have multiple yeah. quarterbacks in this draft that will lead their teams to playoffs, maybe even Super Bowls. Yes, and we have to put a pin in that, especially if we're going to get through the NFL, yeah. because like I will we'll do a little quick hit. Um I'm going to go ahead and fall on my sword here and eat my crow and, and whatever else. Uh, the Patriots are truly the worst team in the NFL right now. Oh. And I'm going to embrace them in a big old hug and, <laughs> and, and roll with them until the wheels fall off completely. And we become the doormats that the Patriots were for about 30 years. Zolak years. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, the, pl the plunky ears, man. Like, <laughs> Oh, you want to go that far back? Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the, the thing is Bill Belichick, the GM has fucked Bill Belichick, the coach with poor draft moves. Yes. Um, and the thing is, it's, everybody's like, is Kraft going to fire Belichick? This is what I think will happen. I don't think he fires Belichick. Mm -hmm. I think Belichick's done enough throughout his career to where he goes out on his own. Mm -hmm. But do you want to know what I think Kraft does to get him to be pushed out? He mm -hmm. hires a general manager. Mm -hmm. That's what I think will happen. Not a vice president of player personnel like Scott Pioli was or any of that shit, like an actual GM. Mm -hmm. And he looks at Bill and says, listen, if you want to stay, he does the drafting, you do the coaching. And I think at that point, uh, Belichick will be like, nah, I'm good. 
Do you think the Patriots? I, want, I don't think I ever asked you this. Do you think the Patriots moved on too quick from Cam Newton? Um, I actually own a Cam Newton Patriots jersey because I was super excited when they signed him. I was actually excited when he went to the Patriots. And then after the first few weeks, you could see that Newton couldn't push the ball down the field anymore. Um, like that shoulder injury he had his last year in Carolina didn't do him any favors. I think it also didn't help that they signed him so late in the camp. So he, he didn't really. He said he, he didn't know. He said he didn't know a lot of the checks. Yeah. Oh, he didn't. Because the thing is, is Josh McDaniel's offense is notoriously hard to learn. Like it's very complex. And when you've got a guy like Brady for 20 fucking years who doesn't really need a lot of coaching, you can just kind of sidle up to him on the sideline when things don't go right. And Brady's like, yeah, I know what I missed. And McDaniel's like, all right, good, bro. And they high five, (laughs) you know, go their separate ways. Um, Newton wasn't used to that. Like that's not how the offense worked in Carolina. Um, and on top of that, when they, I mean, they used him as a bulldozer the first three weeks, like he ran a lot more than he threw. Um, and you could tell he wasn't quite bounced back. You know, he hadn't quite bounced back from that injury, but I wanted him to succeed. I was really excited. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. And unfortunately, you know, he showed that he didn't have it in him anymore to play, uh, quarterback at the high level and even like i mean i i love that this summer you know he went to auburn to their pro day and did like had was throwing routes to wideouts to try and get you know another deal but you know when it's time it's time you know and that's the unfortunate thing and all those years of him just taking a beating running um you know kind of you know that'll take its toll you know i think we're starting to see that with derrick henry right now uh, unfortunately who i think is still for a man his size, uh, there's no business for him to be able to move as fast as he does. But when you put a shit offensive line in front of Derrick Henry, where even he can't like batter his way through, like the Titans have fucked up. Um, running, you know, Ryder dying with T- Ryan Tannenhill for so long has bit him in the ass. You know, like this, I think this is a team on the downswing. Um, I still think San Francisco and Philly are the two best teams in the league. Perfect. There's just too much too much talent on, on both, you know, all three facets of the game for both teams. Um, I think the NFC North can still be got by Cleveland because yeah, Cincinnati's bounced back. I mean, the AFC looking, North. Yeah. AFC North. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's bounced back, but you know what they don't do at all? Run the fucking ball. Why did they stop? What's wrong with Mixon? Dude, I, they don't have anybody that can spell them. Perrine went to Denver, mm-hmm. you know, they got a couple other guys, but dude, if you're going to let your, your number two, walk you need to draft one and i get it you want to give joe burrow all the protection you can like that is smart as shit like look what happened those first four weeks where you could tell he was not healed from that calf you know that calf uh injury and he couldn't push off his back leg to get any drive into his throws you know but the last two weeks he's looked good you know like he's looking more healthy and i mean the Bengals are going to be a tough out you know the rest of the season but i mean they are, um, you know, they're behind the power curve, you know. I mean, Cleveland's defense is probably the best in the AFC North. They just have to figure out what they have in Deshaun Watson when he, whenever he gets back. What do right? you think? Because, look, I want to ask you seriously. I watched uh, DTR in college for three years, and I saw him make some great comeback uh, victories. I saw him throw the ball downfield. Decent accuracy, but an amazing – arm that kid can throw into in i wouldn't mm-hmm. doubt it at the football field 
I, I understand the program is probably moving a little fast for him right now. But I think he has potential. I think he could be a better than Sean Watson. What do you think I about think, DTR? I think what he need, he's going to need a lot of coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if I'm Stefanski, I'm doing – you know, I'm even offering a job to Jordan Palmer, who runs the main mm-hmm. quarterback camp down at I, uh, uh, IMG. IMG yeah. I would hire him. He can work with anybody, and he's shown it. Like he has shown it. He's the guy who got the hitch out of Michael Penix's uh, delivery when he was still at Indiana, you know. And look at Penix now. The dude can just drop oh, dimes all oh, over the field. It's, it's beautiful field. to watch, you know. Um, but no, like you get a smart, a good quarterback coach that's there to just work with him, right? And that's what you need with young QBs, like because not everybody's gonna come out of the college game like Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. Played in a pro style in college has all the talent in the world like we like as an Ohio State fan I knew we had it and it pissed me off when Urban Meyer sat him just to put you know JT Barrett in to run three yard QB dives fucking 20 times a game (laughs) right um but uh you know not everybody's gonna be that guy and and Robinson he needs coaching like he honestly needs coaching especially when it comes to making those reads and and moving to check downs right Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, the game was just too fast for him. Like the, the you got people have to remember preseason he's playing against third stringers and guys trying to make a roster, right? These aren't mm-hmm. the starters. These aren't even the backups. So the game is going to be, you know, and we've said it like a million times before, there is no, there are no slow people in this league. Yeah. This, this isn't college. This isn't LSU putting Morgan state on the fucking schedule <laughs> and then going out and the starters <laughs> play the first quarter, they get their stats. And then like the fucking, Dude, the walk-ons and the the preferred, you know, walk-ons and and like the fifth string linemen are in and they're putting up 70 points. You know, that doesn't happen at the pro level um, unless you're the Broncos. And, um, <laughs> you know, so like he, he did. I was, wait, I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> I have nothing to say about the um, Broncos at the moment other than. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, he just needs coaching. He just needs coaching. You know, that's all it is. Uh, and. Honestly, like here's the thing with Watson, and then this will be the last thing I say about the Browns because I don't think we've ever talked about the Cleveland Browns this long <laughs> on uh, you know, Red Zone. They have another year to make a decision on Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. right? Because people forget when he signed this deal, it was five years, $230 million, all guaranteed. Last season, he only got a million dollars. They backloaded his contract. So by year four, he's going to be an almost $70 million cap hit, Mm -hmm. right? And that's smart because right now going into next season, the Browns have the second most salary cap space behind the New England Patriots who have the first most, which should tell you all you need to know why the Pats are one in five right now. (laughs) Um, But uh, at a certain point, you – I mean, Andrew Barry, the general manager – might have to just go to Jimmy Haslam and be like, listen, dude, you're going to have to eat some of the salary and we're going to have to move him because he is not the guy we thought we were going to get, uh, which I don't understand why you'd give a guy who hadn't played for two years that kind of guaranteed money. Yeah, I don't get it. That is a lot of fucking money. Like if anything, you give him a two year, like a fat two year deal, you know, like two years, maybe hundred mil that still would have kept him like in line with the market for QBs and say earn it earn the long one and then when you don't have like if he can't do it you're not 
losing anything. And yes, Isaac, we've we've we covered that with Marcus uh, about how Deshaun Watson is a fucking sex pest, uh, and honestly should be beaten over the head with a sock full of quarters. Uh, and so should the ownership of the Houston Texans because they allowed that behavior uh, to to continue after they found out about it by continually rotating the massage therapist that would go to his house um, where he, you know, did everything he did. So, uh, you know, but from a pure sports, you know, perspective, Watson isn't the guy that they thought they were going to get. This isn't the guy that was tearing it up in Houston. When you're away from the game for two years, that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, things aren't going to bounce back the way they did. You know, can you adjust? Watson looks lost out there. He doesn't look like he makes the proper reads. And he is so jittery behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Um, but at a certain point, like especially for Stefanski, I mean, we've seen Jimmy Haslam fire a coach after a single season his follow-up only gets two years. Like Haslam's not afraid to pull a trigger on firing a coach. Like mm-hmm. Stefanski, if you think your seat's not getting warm, you're wrong. Um, and especially for an owner who is really plugged into what the fan base is saying about him. Um, you know, like don't let Cleveland fans, don't let them fool you now, Jason. They were also agitating for Johnny Manziel going into the 2014. Draft. I okay. remember that. Yeah, and then when Haslam did it and it blew up in their face, every Browns fan's like, man, I can't believe Haslam would fucking do that. Oh. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I was watching Mike McDaniel, who was on the, the offensive coaching staff when Manziel was there. He was on some podcast. He was podcast. the quarterback's coach. He was the, was the quarterback's, quarterback's coach? coach. And guess who the offensive coordinator was? Kyle was fucking Shanahan. Shanahan, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I guess they didn't want him. So he didn't say exactly. He goes... He wasn't a pick that was universal within the organization. And so Mike McDaniel is like, I was there. He goes, zero film. He goes, I know. He goes, I was getting the reports of the zero film. And we knew what was going to happen when he went out there. And he said it was a big I told you so from the coaching staff to the ownership. Yeah, I was on TikTok and everybody's like, yo, check out Coach Mac look at the drip and i'm like they they went from his ankles up and dude he looked i I respect any head coach that wears some like like a sweatsuit a team sweatsuit Mm -hmm. and and he's got his jays on but the the sweatpants are pulled up like halfway up his shin he just looked (laughs) comfortable as fuck coaching and calling plays but like i would like i followed up that comment like yeah well coach mac needs to fucking get in the gym and do some leg day because he's got some chicken fucking legs dude like that is he's a tiny fucking He's a fucking tiny dude. In the that, words of my aunt Shorney, he's just a wee boy. Just a wee boy. Are the Dolphins here's two teams. Are the Lions for real? I want to believe they're for real. I don't know if they have the offensive firepower. But but I think their defense is for real. Are the Lions for real and are the Dolphins for real? Yes, I'm both. Yes, I'm well, yes, I'm both. Um, I mean, Detroit, they don't need to be explosive on offense because they do what they do well. Uh, Goff has a good command of that offense, and that defense is is there to play amazing complimentary football. Um, and if Dan Campbell, I'm gonna say this we I said it last year, you know, when the when the Lions kind of 
surprised all of us by winning mm-hmm. like seven games or whatever. And they were they lost like four other games by a touchdown or less. So they technically should have won eleven games last year, right? But if Dan can if Dan Campbell pulls off 10, 11 wins and wins the NFC North, coach of the year. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's luck. Yeah. There should be no other discussion after that. And don't fucking talk to me about Kyle Shanahan, you know, and Mike McDaniel. They literally play with two of the most stacked fucking rosters in the league. Dan Campbell's front office is so smart. They drafted a running back in the first round and everybody was like, what? (laughs) What? What? And they had David Montgomery there. Like, I just, but, you know, I mean, I I, I like Jameer Gibbs and I don't want anybody to take this as a slight against Jameer Gibbs. I think you cannot really go wrong with an Alabama running back. Um, There's some people that say that drafted Trent Richardson that would love to disagree with you. Well, I mean, Richardson honestly was the exception not the rule mark ingram the second had a great career you can't nobody can doubt that shit um you know, long or, uh, career. i don't me. know how great it was dude just under ten thousand yards rushing for a guy who split carries for about five of his best seasons in new orleans <sighs> you know um stole, that's a success stole the heisman that year in my opinion so i mean i think what we all need to remember is when he came back as the heisman winner um and he stood next to Derrick Henry as the honorary captain. And Henry was it seemed like he was about four feet taller than Mark Ingram. I was like, God damn, how big is Derrick, Derrick Henry? Henry? You know, but yeah. Henry has had a has had a great career. Um, I'll argue he's a Hall of Famer. Like if he if he can stay healthy and just keep doing what he's doing, um, you know, I mean, Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's being fucked by Pittsburgh's just sheer inability to develop offensive linemen. Um, but I give a guy a lot of credit who's like, well, no one's going to block for me. Might as well just get my head down and get my four yards. You know, Yeldon, like, Yeldon was the first that. round pick, right? Yeldon went in the second round. He went in the second. Um, and you got to think Yeldon, Yeldon was a part-time guy too. Um, and he stuck around the league for a long time comparative to, to some of his peers, you know, I mean, I, Alabama puts out some pretty good running backs. Um, and you know, for me, especially with the way the running back positions kind of been diminished as far as compensation and importance in the league, uh, if you can just be a guy who gets in and, and fits your role and does your job, like you can have a great career doing that. And I'll tell you right now, I'll take a seven-year NFL career as a like an RB2 or RB3. Fuck yeah, I would do oh, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make a couple million dollars. I'm probably going to have some really cool friends that make a lot more money than me. So like when they throw parties, I can just show up and mooch off them <laughs> right without having to spend any of my you know my money like i'm i'm cool with that man i am very cool and the and the last last question i have to ask you about football there actually is two more i want to ask you uh cj stroud and the houston texans are surprising me because at the game the uh-huh. one game i saw with cj stroud was the texans against the colts and he looked a little uh-huh. lost in my opinion um, just a little bit not anymore I don't know what they did to simplify the playbook or the game, or maybe the kid is just that smart. I wouldn't doubt it. He is that smart. I wouldn't doubt and it. And I'm going to go ahead for all you Ohio State fans that fucking pissed and moan about C.J. Stroud. He ain't got that dog in him. He didn't run him as much. He wasn't a running quarterback, you dumbass. He's not a runner. He is a pocket passer. He played his high school years as a pocket passer. I don't know if you know where he went to school. Rancho Cucamonga, California. Guess what? Fucking shotgun 
since like 1984. <laughs> They've just been throwing the ball since then. Okay. That's what Rancho Cucamonga does. All right. He was never expected to run. And I figured the Georgia game, people would have shut the fuck up about it. Right. Last season. Cause he got away from pressure. He, he was the guy who kept the Buckeyes in that fucking game, especially after Marvin Harrison Jr. Went out. That was CJ Stroud. But I see fuckers because he did he did lose two games to Michigan. I get it. I get it. But watching him have literally two quarters of an adjustment from the college of the program and has just fucking shattered rookie fucking stats through the first part of his rookie season. That's that's amazing. That goes to show you how prepared he is to play that game. And the thing is, he's not throwing to some real burners, guys. He's thrown into some tight windows, and he's putting the ball where only his receivers can throw. He's playing behind one of the shittiest yep. offensive lines in the game, and he's keeping the Houston fucking Texans, who are supposed to just be a doormat this year, in games that they should not be in. And I think a lot of that has to do with D'Amico Ryan saying, listen, dude, I'm not here to get in your shit. I'm a defensive coach. All right? You're my dude. Just go out there and ball. Just play football. And he looks far more comfortable than he did at the end of last season at Ohio State. Is is that not happening with Bryce Young? Or is Bryce Young one of those guys that puts too much pressure on himself? Or is Bryce Young too small for the NFL game? I am going to go ahead and say this. I'm probably not the best person to ask this question to right now, considering my proximity <laughs> to an Alabama quarterback. <laughs> I'm not happy with Alabama quarterbacks. Um, we've, 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 we've said chapter and verse about this. Uh huh. Especially one who shares a part of a name with me. And he, Can we admit he that Mac, uh, I almost said Mac Brown. Mac Jones is AJ McCarron 2.0. Can we just admit that? That's all. No, I'm going to say Mac Jones is worse than AJ McCarron. Because AJ McCarron. A.J. McCarron completed 68% of his passes in the XFL. And Mac Jones is going to be lucky if he completes 60% of his passes throwing to better receivers than A.J. McCarron had in the XFL. So, A.J., you get a pass with me. Mac Jones, you can suck my dick from the back, and I hope you choke on <laughs> it. The crazy straw, lazy whore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Bryce Young... He is a guy that needs an offensive system, kind of like Sean Payton's when he got run under Breeze. You have to clear blocking lanes for him to see through to complete the passes. He's not a big dude. A lot of, lot of power in the arm. Excuse me. Um, accurate with his passes when he can get get him out of his hand. But like that team in Carolina is a dumpster fire. Um, like I don't know if you saw Frank Reich. Is finally turning over play calling duties to his offensive coordinator, um, which I think is good. You, tr- you throw some shit against the wall, see what sticks, yeah. right? Like you have to yeah. at this point. Um, but the thing is, is the way the position is now, um, quarterbacks, you know, like especially high school and the college, they can do anything they want on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Anything they want. It's easy. And then they get to the pros a lot more difficult game like we know we already talked about everybody's fast Mm -hmm. playbooks are more complex Mm -hmm. um guess what your your head coach isn't doing your head coach is not calling your reads into your helmet yeah you have to make those on the field yeah 
right? So, like, dude, Bryce Young looks fucking lost out there. I don't think physically he was prepped. And that's not a knock against him. You don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you don't. How do you physically prepare for your first NFL season? That dude should have been fucking, like, he should have been doing what Tua was doing. Tua was just like, yeah, man, I lifted weights and I worked with an MMA coach to teach me how to, like, keep my head up before going to the mat so I don't give myself more concussions, right? Like, that's it. He should have called Bryce up and been like, listen, little bud. <laughs> uh, We're both about the same size. You know, you might. Yeah, you might want to do this, bro. Mm -hmm. You might want to do this. You know, um, but yeah, man, I, I just. I feel bad for him. You know, like I live in North Carolina. I have to watch this kid get pummeled every fucking Sunday. And I'm just like, at what point? Like for me as the head coach, if I'm Frank Reich. I'm saying, fuck it. I'm moving him to the bench and it's not a knock against him. I just can't afford for him to get hurt like, and have a devastating injury, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't want to knock a kid because you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not the dude that's going to root against players. I just don't. It's a rough league. They're chasing something that they've been working for since they were like fucking five years old. Like I want to see a guy failed. That's been putting that much time in. Fuck no. You mm -hmm. know, but Unless the Panthers start drafting smarter, putting, uh, uh, you know, getting the weapons around, you know, uh, um, Bryce that he needs uh, to succeed, like that's going to be a burnt pick. And that kid will never be the same. Like he won't recover after fucking three years of just getting bludgeoned to death. I mean, look at fucking David Carr. Yep. That guy was so gun shy. Yep. After three years in Houston, he goes to New York, has a chance to start. And literally, I mean, I remember a game where he was in shotgun and the defensive end managed to beat his blocker. And he wasn't within a foot of David Carr and Carr just fell on the ground. <laughs> right. Like Carr was leading these breaking records, getting destroyed in Houston. Set. 76 sack he was he was sacked 76 times his first year 76 i i really felt that Derek's whole mission was vengeance for his brother um i also thought Derek's whole mission was to fuck like half the hot chicks <laughs> in southern california too so for jesus i mean only let's for face jesus. it he's only he's only handing out handing out uh meat yeah for jesus. He, it's like slang and dicks. For it's Jesus. just meat for me for the Lord. It's just meat. It's Lord's meat. Oh, oh man. So him and Tristan Thompson are like, about that, right? <laughs> meat brothers. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how pissed off I was that Cleveland brought his ass back. I'm like, oh my God. Before, uh, oh, before we go to the NBA, because I don't want to pivot to the NBA. Um, my Denver Broncos lost a game. I was trying to, I was trying to peek at the game a little bit because I was doing the show. To the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought Kansas City was going to try to score 80 on them, and, I did and Denver too. held them to 19. I did too. Um, what is wrong? Finally, the defense showed up. I think that was the first game the defense actually showed up for an entire game. Yep. Um, what is wrong with the Denver Broncos? Hmm. Well, let me preface this by saying 
uh, I'm going to share with everybody what Jason and I have been like, literally been texting about the last like three weeks, four weeks. Um, wide receiver is no longer a position of strength for the Chiefs. Yep. And that's affecting, that's negatively affecting the offense. Yep. Patrick Mahomes, an offense with that offensive line, I know there's issues, but it's it's a good, it's serviceable, mm-hmm. right? And for with a QB like Mahomes, that's what you need. You know, you don't need – he's going to get his time to throw the ball, right? Um, Isaiah Pacheco, I think, is a great running back for that system. Like, he runs well out of that backfield. He also catches passes very well out of that backfield. And you have arguably the best tight end in football. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey, and that's not just a pass catching thing. He blocks fucking amazing as well, mm-hmm. right? And he takes that very seriously. And that goes back to him playing at Cincinnati, was just an extra fucking guard on the field, <laughs> right? <laughs> that being said, Denver's defense did show up, but the thing is, the fact of the matter is, it's like there's nobody you have to worry about at mm-hmm. all. I mean, the wide receiver position is so bad in Kansas City. They literally tonight they traded for me Cole Hardman back. I saw that, you know, like if you're scraping the barrel for guys who didn't pan out with you once, you kind of fucked yourself, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I would be surprised if I wake up tomorrow morning and they're like, Kansas City brought back, uh, you know, Juju Smith Schuster, you know, <laughs> I, hey, give us a seventh rounder for him at this point because he ain't done shit in New England. Uh, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to bring back to the Patriots. But um, <laughs> but no, like you you should be able to go four quarters with that with that offense right now because it's not it's not the the Kansas City offenses we're used to seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to like proffer this. I mentioned that the best financial expenditure of cash in the NFL on the coaching side this year was Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator, Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. The biggest piece of buyer's remorse as far as expenditures on the coaching side of the ball this year is Sean fucking Payton. Mm. For all the shit he talked in the preseason, for bad mouthing a peer of his, you know, in Nathaniel Hackett, whether you, you liked him or not, you know, this is a peer. This could be a guy you're working with in a couple years because mm-hmm. let's face it, the NFL doesn't exactly go outside the box. Uh, to hire, you know, offensive and defensive assistants, um, you know, but you, you threw him under the bus, uh, you know, you threw the entire staff under the bus and you bring back a guy like Vance Joseph, who's running a defense that would have worked 10 years ago. Now with the speed of the game, how wide open it is. No, no, there's a reason most teams. And when I say most 28 out of 32 teams do not run like a version of the old Tampa two, it doesn't work anymore. It can't work anymore. Most base defenses have upwards of like six different coverage packages. You know, like you have to be that creative. And if you don't, you're not going to make it. And a guy like Jim Schwartz, who used to play like a really a, a soft zone four three, like he saw the game change and, and adapted everything he did, everything he did. And that's why he's been able to to be a guy that literally can just walk into a room, you know, when he gets hired and ch- completely changes the offense or the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Sean Payton's going to run the same offense he ran for what, 15, 16 years in New Orleans with 
I mean, say what you want about Drew Brees, but there's a reason that dude first bout hauled him or, uh, and he didn't have the drop off that Peyton Manning had his last year in Denver. Mm-mm. You know, he was still able to get the ball downfield, maybe not as often, but he did. And he made, always, made very smart reads and he still had the arm strength to get it into a tight window. Right. But that offense doesn't work anymore. It's you, you. This is what kills me. And I've said it a million times here. Good coaches don't stick to a system. They don't try and force players into a system. They mold a system around the players they have. And the strength of the Broncos right now is running the fucking ball. Just do that. Just fucking do that. Like if I'm Denver right now, I'm like, well, you know, Russell can still get around the edge every so often. Um, and he slides well. So you know what? We're going to run the wing T. We're just gonna- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, like, thank you, uh, Judy. You were a first-round pick who's never had a 1,000-yard receiving year. Cortland, you were a second-round pick who's just played out of his mind when you were healthy. Um, we're going to trade you for picks. We're going to run the wing tee, uh, and we're just going to grind it out. We're going to beat Army but in the NFL, and we're going to have 62 running plays. We're, we're going to have the ball for, you know, 48 minutes out of a 60-minute game. We're going to keep our defense fresh. And we're gonna win nine to three. Fuck it, dude. Winning nine to three is a W. Yep. Lean into it. Stop trying to be cutesy because Russell Wilson and I, I'm. I, I watched a couple Broncos games, especially um, the KC game. That dude is fucking washed. As a dominant QB, washed. He doesn't look comfortable in the pocket anymore. Like that guy makes one read and tries to check down. And when he can't like see because like the defensive line's already collapsed his pocket because that O line in good. Denver is what you call butt, you know? <laughs> like he panics and just makes some really bad passes, you know? And it's just like you're stuck with him. Nobody else is gonna want him based on the game film he has. So tailor an offense that's going to take advantage of what he does well and cover up the deficiencies that he does have, you know, like I would strip this fucking roster down just to its nuts and bolts. I, like I said, fuck it, bro. You're already kind of in a lost season. Anyway, go old school, just do whatever you got to do. Right. Are Broncos fans going to be pissed? Sure. They've been pissed since fucking Manning retired and you won your last Super Bowl. Like Denver Broncos fans just walk around perennially like stuck when Elway was there and got to what like four Super Bowls and didn't win and they Mac, had Mac. <laughs> we coming for you, nigga. Don't dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I'm just look. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is is I I'm saying I got your hand up my penis. Didn't know I had that one there. No, I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> Was not expecting that. But no, like, like go very, go very, like, uh, simple on offense. Strip it down to the nuts and bolts. Get the picks that you can, and then draft well next year, and then was, start like building the roster. Was up. this team built for Aaron Rodgers last year? I'll tell you right now, Aaron Rodgers would have been a better. I mean, having Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to throw to, and yeah, Judy hasn't exactly performed up to snuff, uh, but he also had like Jason Miles, Mike McGinnis, uh, Blake Bortles, 
you know, a bunch of like stiffs throwing to him. So like, I get it. Um, you know, but like, that would have been a great team uh, for, for Rodgers. I think what would have, like, if they would have swung the trade for Rodgers, he still would have been kind of hosed because that offensive line is just not good. I mean, Garrett Bowles, like, will have this, have a game mm. where he just dominates and then spend the next three games as a turnstile, you know? And I'm like, for a guy who is as big as he is and has his length and just has, you know, the, the talent he does. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like he hasn't put it together and he's been there, what, five or six years at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. you know, like at that point, like what I'm doing, if I'm the Denver GM, I got a guy that big who doesn't block well off the edge, but you know what I could do? Move him inside the guard, draft another tackle. He probably would be a great guard. A guy that size up against those defensive tackles that are, I mean, here's the thing. Defensive ends are getting longer and faster. Mm-hmm. defensive tackles are not getting taller you know like most a lot of the defensive tackles you see are like six one six foot six one mm-hmm. you know 320 can you imagine a fucking six five guard with with arms as long as him he makes contact and can just hold out <laughs> on pulling just, yeah just destroying someone on pulling like that would be perfect mm-hmm. and i don't know why like the bronco staffs and i know there's been a lot over the last few years but why not make that choice and go to the front office and be like, hey, man, we have to draft another tackle. We're going to move Garrett inside. And then, you know, our the center, you don't have to really worry about, like, the Denver center is actually pretty good, right? And it's just like, you don't have to completely tear this kid down, this dude down. Just move him. And a lot of these offensive linemen these days have played multiple positions on the offensive line already in college. So they're used to it. You know, like, I just... There, I, I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with massive change in coaching staffs over the last like five or six years, and there's I don't think there's any like real coherence to any kind of strategy when it comes to player drafting, player development in the front office. I agree. I agree with that. I can't I can't uh, disagree with that. The you know, there's a lot of truth in that whole, you know, hanging on to the Peyton's last season and, and even the four years that he was there, how dominant that team was um, to to fall off so hard when I think people thought there were some cornerstones to that team, like Von Miller and then kind of get rid of Von Miller, who is still a very serviceable player. But, you know, you're doing that Bill Walsh thing. There's still value in you. Yep. Let's get rid of you while there's still value in you. You got rid of Nick Chubb because you didn't have any first round picks, you know, get rid of you know, Chubb. Not Nick Chubb, I'm sorry. Bradley, Bradley Chubb. Chubb. Um, and now you have uh, – oh, who's the cornerback? I'm, I'm losing my mind. The number two, the the son for dinner. Oh, shit. Uh, Sertain. Sertain. Yeah. Patrick great, Sertain Jr. Great corner. And, you know, you, you don't oh, want I, him to get burnt out. Jason, I love that dude. First off, I'm a Pats fan. I loved his dad. His dad yeah. wasn't the biggest dude or the fastest dude, but his technique was so good. I've only ever seen him really get burnt by one person, and that was Randy Moss. And I think every corner was burnt by Randy Moss. <laughs> yeah. time, right? Yes. So that makes sense. But Sertain played in the box well. Um, you know, like I'm talking senior here. Mm-hmm. His son is bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. He needs coaching too because he's one of those guys that lives – off his athleticism in college and you can get away with that mm-hmm. and to a point you can get away with it in the NFL. But like if I'm Patrick Sertain senior, I'm calling 
calling Junior up after game. You're like, boy, I swear to God, if you don't rotate those hips, just rotate the hips. <laughs> you would have had like three picks that game. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. No, but like, yeah, I love Patrick Sertain. Uh, I know, I know the thing is, the thing that's de rigueur now is it's not Junior anymore. It's the second. Okay, so you want you want to be monarchy? That's cool. <laughs> <Nerd>. <laughs> yeah. PS2 part of the monarchy. Yeah, yeah. Kind um, of forever. But no, he's he's. I love uh, uh, Patrick Sertain uh, the second. Like I think he's he's phenomenal. Um, like I probably wouldn't have traded uh, Bradley Chubb. I know why they did it. Yeah. You know, you want to recruit some of the draft capital that you sent out for Wilson. In Miami, it's just like, hey, man, first round picks, who needs those? Right? <laughs> I got all this, you know. Um, but, I mean, the fact that they got a first round pick for Bradley Chubb, not saying he's not a talented, great player, but a first rounder, holy shit. That we've, seen a- some, we've seen some bigger names go for like seconds and thirds. I was you know? shocked. Like- I was shocked. That was a favor. That was a favor. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. If you think that these dudes don't have favors in this league, you're high out of your goddamn mind. That was a favor. Yeah. The yeah. Dolphins had enough to spare. They All I'm didn't need is a like first-round pick. Amari Cooper went for a second-rounder. Thank you. And Amari Cooper is a game-changing wideout. Still. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. And he's had P.J. Walker, Jacoby Brissett, and Baker Mayfield throwing to him. So, like – that's he's all that saying. good. Yes. Don't sleep um, on Amari Cooper. He's that bro, good. Jason, he had 104 yards receiving on Sunday. PJ Walker had 196 yards. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And it wasn't on five yard outs that he broke. No, no. And that's what killed me. The deep ball that he hit Cooper for. I was like, holy fuck, PJ. I saw it like, you know, when we picked our XFL teams, I picked the Roughnecks. Mm-hmm. And before XFL 2.0 shut do- shut down, PJ mm-hmm. Walker was a starting QB, and dude, he was dropping dimes like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in mind, the head coach for the Roughnecks at the time was June Jones, mm-hmm. so he played this like modified run and shoot. So mm-hmm. Walker was in the shotgun the entire time. He had extra time to make his reads, and he can throw a pretty ball. But keep in mind, PJ Walker is fucking five ten. And I don't want to hear anybody say he weighs more than 205 pounds. He's not a big dude. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland kept putting him under center on Sunday. And I was like, why? You have Kareem Hunt. Yeah, maybe he's lost a step. Still good enough to fucking bust off a 17-yard touchdown run last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Right? And you have that young kid, Ford, who is – oh, my God. Like, I – before Nick Chubb got hurt, I had never seen him play. And dude just shifty, able to take a hit quick as shit mm-hmm. run out of the shotgun put walker in positions to where he can make every read he's playing behind one of the best offensive lines in the game anyway like just fucking do it like if you know your offensive line is butt play out of the shotgun most teams play like upwards of 50 percent of their snaps out of the yeah. shotgun just fucking run your entire offense out of it the running backs are used to it now this is what they do in college is the terminology different? Definitely. But ever since Chris Alt and Bald, you know, started that that kind of pistol. revolution with yeah. the uh, with the pistol, yeah. running backs know how to take, you know, uh, uh, get that running start from playing next to the QB out of the shotgun. It's not it's not anything new. And some of these coaches are just so fucking stuck in the well. This is how I do it. 
And guys like Sean Payton, and this is what fucking kills me. Guys like Sean Payton are like, well, my system is foolproof. Bitch, you won a single Super Bowl. Ooh. One with that team. And it was stacked a lot of years. And you also had quite a few sub-500 years the last, like, five or six in New Orleans. So, like, don't talk to me about your fucking system. You know what you have to tell Sean Payton? Get your hand off my penis! That's right. And I would, too. I'll just show up to, like, a press conference one day, Jason. You're going to be like, oh, shit, Max there. And I, they're going to be like, you, uh, you there with the beard. Yeah, you. And I'm just going to be like, hey, Payton, get your hands off my dick. <laughs> you have to play the whole drop. Get your hand off my penis! Penis, penis. Uh, yes. I see the. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I got Man, too excited. You know, I made. I made a special one. I like it. I like it. But I mean, like that's the thing. I I will never understand coaching staffs that do that. Like, cause you're not always gonna get the players that fit your system. So adjust the system to fit the players. Right. That's what being. I you know. Marcus and I had this conversation. It's a stupid phrase, but it fits. Mm. Semper Gumby, always flexible. That's how mm. you become a great fucking head coach. You are always flexible. And some of these dudes now are just like, well, my system, my system. I don't give a shit about your system, right? Like going back to Ohio State, that is a system built, tailor built for a running quarterback. And what did CJ Stroud, Dwayne Haskins do in it? Just fucking, th- I mean, only threw for over 5,000 yards a couple times, like 50 something touchdowns, rewrote the Big Ten fucking record book. Oh man. Being flexible in your system works. Mm-hmm. It works well. Tailor it to the people you got. You know, like I just, I, I will never understand that, man. Like, I'm not, that's why I give Dion uh, a lot of credit for what he's doing in Colorado because he had an idea of what he wanted, right? He had an idea and he was basing it off his time at Jackson state. And when he looked at the roster in Colorado, he's like, well, I'm probably gonna have to change some things up. So, you know, he may be loud. He may be boisterous. He may be Dion, uh, but he's tailored the system to the players that he has, you know, and I, I give you, you know, I, I have to give a coach a credit for doing that. Uh, Bill Clark did it down at UAB when they shut the program down for a couple years. He had players not transfer out because they wanted to continue playing for him. And when they got the team back, uh, the system was not the same. Because Clark's like, dude, I don't have the same players I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to change some things up. First year back, they went eight games, go to a bowl. You know, this is after not having a program for two years. And little bit of trivia do you know who shut that program down at the university of alabama birmingham bear bryant's grandson no shit who was who was the head of the board of regents for the ua system no shit yep what a douche absolutely what a douche yeah i do want to move on to basketball Yes, yes, let's talk basketball because i'm i'm excited because i guys i don't know if you've seen because the patriots are doing so poorly I have my Seattle Kraken hat on because the NHL season, NHL season started. Uh, and next week I'll have my new Cavs hat here to wear as well because it's now hockey and basketball season. And what's the NFL? 
I, I don't know what that is right now. So I, I needed you need to come with me. So side note, I did uh I went to the Bay Area uh, a few weeks ago and you know, had to handle some family business and went to go see a friend's show on my way home in San Francisco. I thought it was gonna be in the afternoon, it ended up being a little earlier in the evening. So I needed to go somewhere and this place, this venue in San Francisco is near nothing. It's one of those venues where you know been around for a million years, you can be as loud as you want. All the great yeah. bands played there, right? But fits maybe a hundred people. Um, there was one bar there that served food. I looked online, I was like, oh, this place serves food. It was called the Connecticut Yankee. I walked in, it was a goddamn Patriots bar. <laughs> I had never seen that many white people with Boston accents in San Francisco in my life. And I I walked in and walked out and then walked back in. And they were all looking at me like, yeah, who's this guy? You know, they're doing the What's what's funny is uh, I don't know if you saw the latest census. Uh, that is the largest um, conglomeration of Bostonians west of the Mississippi in the United States. Just in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm being a smart ass, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm just, dude, I was like, I believe you because they listen, were. Listen, I'm a fucking nerd, but I do not read census data. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that, that is. So when when you when you come when we go on our road trip, you're. You're going to that place. But first question on the NBA tip, and I have to ask this because I am a bit of a Warriors fan because I'm not the biggest basketball fan. Are the Warriors and Lakers done? Is it Clippers No, season? no, no. Uh, okay. We haven't even tipped off yet. But I'm going to say this. Don't talk to me about the fucking Clippers. Just don't. <laughs> Do not talk to me about the fucking Clippers. I appreciate what Steve Ballmer's doing, trying to get like a like a separate – LA Clippers like fan base there. He's mm-hmm. building his own stadium. He's got Kawhi. He's got Paul George. And they they I love Terrence Mann. I think it's smart not sending him out in any trade. Mm-hmm. But don't talk to me about the fucking Clippers. Because Kawhi and Paul George will maybe play 40 games together. Between the two of them, I can see them maybe playing 60 games apiece. You know, so 120 games between the two of them. They're only going to play about 50 of those games together. And then Ty Lue is going to be running around trying to fucking keep that team in contention. And I have no idea how in the fuck we cut Ty Lue loose, the Cavs, because I think he's done a phenomenal job uh, as head co- as the head man of the Clippers. Phenomenal. You expect to have two superstars there. <laughs> and... I love Kawhi Leonard, but god damn, can he just play in bubble wrap instead of uniform? <laughs> you know, like it's it's not good, Jason. Like, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say this. The Clippers maybe have a five hundred year, and a lot of it's gonna come down to injury. And at this point, I think Ballmer's gonna have to make the choice of we cannot keep sending first round picks out to pick up people like James Harden because Harden already said, sure, I'll kind of show up in Philly. And then he doesn't. I don't know if you saw that. He did not show up today he didn't, yeah. for practice or anything. And the only place he wants to go is the Clippers. And I think everybody on the show and that listens and watches knows that Jason and I are very much in favor of players taking the power over their careers in their mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. But I also recall a guy from earlier in the offseason by the name of Dame Lillard who was like, I- I'm only playing in Miami, and that motherfucker's in Milwaukee. So, yep. 
he changed course when he's like, well, yo, I can play with Giannis. All right, sign me up. I'm good. Right. Are they your preseason picks to win it all? Or you have to see them play together first. I, man, dude, if we are talking about a team that I can make a deep run, because I, the West is always stacked. The East is getting mm-hmm. a lot better, a mm-hmm. lot better. Mm-hmm. I think if if I'm going to go on a limb and say there's a team that could win it, I'm still going to go with Phoenix. A full really? season with Booker and KD, you know, uh, they made some moves to shore up their depth. Like, I think that's just a really good team, man. Um, Golden State, I think, has, has a bounce back year. You, you think know. CP3 is a, is, a, is a real game changer for Golden State? Really? Yeah, because because at this point, you know what Steph can do? Hmm. Literally just cut, get open, shoot threes. Do what he does best, right? He doesn't hmm. have to carry the ball up when they're on the floor at the same time. And, and, and Chris Paul, you know what he's not going to do? Bitch about taking shots. He won't hmm. do it. Um, you know, he will definitely be a great facilitator. And I think when you get him – and Clay Thompson, who this may or may not be his last year uh, in the Bay. That's going to be sad to see the light-skinned twins get broke up. <laughs> yes. You know, my brother. Like, we can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, like, there's been no work on a, a contract extension for Clay. Like, I, I think Clay wants to get paid, and I don't blame him. I think mm-hmm. after having an ACL replacement and then blowing out your Achilles and realizing, holy fuck, my career could literally be over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame the guy. Like, get paid, dude. Especially in the NBA. Your, your, your contract's guaranteed. Um, but I, le- I like what Golden State did. Um, now, as far as, like, I mean, the West is going to be stacked. I, I mean, a lot of people keep, like, tossing out Dallas, and I'm like, why? Um you know, I got it. 77 is great, but like the rest of that team's not good. Uh, when, when, when we get into the East, like, you know, everybody's like, yo, Philly. I was going to ask you I, about I like Philly. Nick Nurse. I thought that was, I was, I thought that was a great head coaching pickup when you fucking tell Doc Rivers to go fuck off. Mm-hmm. But like, man, if you go into the season with James Harden there, mm-hmm. That is just going to be another colossal shit show the way it was when Ben Simmons was there, right? I think Joel Embiid might be the next star to say that, hey, I'm over it and I want to move, which I love Joel Embiid. I love that motherfucker, dude. I love the game he plays. Like he's inside, he's outside. He's like one of those, you know, college big men. That we always see come out, Jason, mm-hmm. that they're like, man, look at what he did in college. And then he gets to the pros and like he breaks his foot and it isn't worth a shit the rest of his career. You know, like Embiid is kind of, yeah, you know, Embiid, <laughs> he, he didn't play his first year because of the knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just been a dominant player. You know, last three years, he's been like an MVP finalist. Um, you know, then you look at Miami. Miami goes on runs that they shouldn't go on. And they just make it work. I like, yeah, call me a homer. I like the pickups the Cavs made this year. Um, really shoring up the small forward position with Struess and um, George Nayang. Um, I can see the Cavs winning 50 games this year. Um, and the thing is, the Cavs have to go all in this season because after this season, Donovan Mitchell's a free agent. Mm-hmm. So you traded the farm for Mitchell. 
you have to give him incentive to stay. So Cleveland's got to make a deep run. And I'm not talking like, man, this is the first time they made the playoffs since LeBron was, you know, since uh, this is the first playoff team for the Cavs that didn't have LeBron on it since like fucking 1831. (laughs) So, and then get swept by the fucking Knicks in the first round, right? Like the Knicks are going to be the Knicks. The Like what I'm trying to say is the East has gotten a lot better. The Mm -hmm. West is still going to be a murderer's row. The West is just going to be, it's just such a good conference. So who's Um, coming out of the West? You think it's just Phoenix is coming out of the West? I think they're, I think, you know, I don't see like a 65 win team in the West this year because I think they're just going to knock each other off. So you will know, they be too think, hurt in the when it comes to the finals then? Because that means the playoffs I, is going to be equally as brutal. So are you predicting a bunch of seven game series coming out of the West? I mean, this is a lot of predictions, and we're not even a month. Has the season yeah. started yet? Yeah, I don't think the season. No, it starts. It starts next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, starting yet. But here's the thing: this is the first year where they have the like the midseason tournament in the NBA. So like, it's going to explain how that works. Okay. So midpoint of the season, they're going to have a tournament that kind of like crowns, like, I don't know if you guys know about European sports, but like, especially in European football, you have like the person who wins the shield. This is the person, this is the team with the best record in the league, not necessarily the best team, but they have the best record. Right. So they have the most wins. In in most European basketball leagues, they have a midseason tournament. So it's not really breaking the season in two, right? But there's an incentive to win this midseason tournament, right? Because the winning team, each player gets a million dollars. So, you know, Adam Silver was like, we have to change things up. We, you know, we, we're the, 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 out of the big four, they're the fastest growing, right? Their TV deals have progressively just gotten larger and larger and larger. And they're going to have another one coming up, I think, in like 2030. So Silver's trying to like put things into motion to keep the NBA regular season, mm-hmm. which, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, in some ways has been watered down a bit because, you know, like stars are doing that load management thing. Yep. Right. And I understand that mm-hmm. to a point. Um, I don't agree with what the NBA did where they put the vice president of like player relations, Joe Dumars out. And he was like, listen, we have some science that says load management doesn't really help you, you know? And I'm like, come on, Joe Dumars. Like I get you work for the NBA. But you played in- <laughs> Can you be a little less company yeah. in your state? Yeah. But you, but you played in the NBA for 16 years, dude. Like, um, but th- something does have to give. Right. Something does have to give with considering that teams depend like before Cleveland had a good team, you know, with with this young crop, Cleveland depended on like when Phoenix came to town and you had Booker and like CP3. Right. And they depended on when Brooklyn came to town. You had Harden and KD, you know, like they depend on these stars to come in. But what game are most teams going to sit their starters at? Well, Cleveland's not very good. <laughs> We're gonna sit you guys and put Speedy Claxton in, but <laughs> but people are paying through the nose for tickets because the Cavs raised the prices because they thought KD mm-hmm. and and Harden would be on the floor, right? So like there there has to be a way to kind of, I, but I don't think you make that a unilateral thing. I sit, I think you sit down with the players' union and be like, how do we fix this then? Mm-hmm. What can we do 
to make sure that you guys are getting the time off you need to rest, recover. And they, they kind of did that with like eliminating a lot of back-to-backs and stuff like that. Um, but on the other side of that is so teams aren't losing revenue. Um, and revenue, we all know, is generated revenue is going to go back to the player in the form of contracts. So like, I think that this should be a process that both players ownership work together. So you don't want to see a, a shorter season. I do. Honestly, I think the, the NBA season should be 60 games. Absolutely. No reason to have 82. None. I think their um, playoffs are too long. Dude. No, I'm okay with the playoffs. I'm not the, the too regular, long. the regular season's too fucking long. Like the NBA season should not start. in late October, October and end in the summer and go into June. It's yeah. too long. It look NBA. Can you know why? Goddamn playoffs are like three months long. Just play back to back games like baseball. Please. Just do it. Jason, you haven't you haven't looked at like message board for baseball fans on Reddit, have you? I don't give a damn what anybody says on any kind of board. Okay, okay. I know my brother. <laughs> so, you know, baseball instituted a pitch clock. Yeah. Right? I know about that. Yeah. Right? And I got on Reddit and just looked up like baseball, like a, a subreddit for baseball. And I found a subreddit that was white guy baseball. Oh, that sounds like a racist nightmare. Oh, it was. That's what she said. <laughs> but the worst part was it was like, you know what sucks about all this bullshit? Goddamn pitch clock. Games ain't three and a half hours anymore. You want to know why I go to ball games to get away from my wife? Jesus. And they and they cut like twenty minutes off. This is ridiculous. You know, just enraged. And I'm like, bro, that's how you reach out to younger fans. It's like, don't make the games as long. Make them more interactive. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'll give Manfred that. Like, he's fucked up a lot being the commissioner of baseball. But There's like, sports that are struggling right now trying to bring in younger fan bases and, and, you know, people don't really hear these conversations and they don't, I don't see them that much in sports circles. Again, I don't listen to 24 hour sports radio. Maybe they talk about it. But when I was working inside live events, live events are live events. It's not just music. It's everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I work for one of the larger food it, and beverage companies, so I got it's to monster trucks, it's rodeos. It's dude, all that. My, my son, my son, you know, bless his little, you know, five-year-old heart went to a monster truck rally for his birthday. That's what he wanted to see. You know what? I get it. You get he's, to watch a big truck. He's all about big trucks and smashing them. And he, he loves it. He loves it. But NASCAR does not have a young fan base at all. Baseball does not. Baseball does not have a young fan base at all. Soccer surprisingly has a young and multi-gendered uh, fan base. Well, before you go on, Jason, and there's a reason for that. The EPL, regardless of what – okay, I, I'm going to say this. I highly recommend everybody read The Club. It's a book about the formation of the EPL. Absolutely mm-hmm. fucking brilliant. I read it in three days. I couldn't put it down, right? But the EPL and the English like football league, you know, mm-hmm. so we're talking the five levels, mm-hmm. have been over backwards to keep as, – as large as the teams in the EPL have grown, like with worldwide appeal. If you go down to levels two to five in the rest of the EFL, there's still local affairs, right? Mm -hmm. One of the teams in the EPL 
plays in a city of 90,000 people, their stadium is 36,000. So really over a third of the population, every home match can be found at that stadium. Right? Mm -hmm. So soccer has done a much better job of being a local affair. Right? No matter, like, even here in the United States, yes, like we have MLS, which is mostly located in larger metro centers, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's kind of like, honestly, what MLS want to do is break LA up like New York, like kind of, you know, they, they if you live in certain boroughs, you're a Yankees fan. If you yeah. live in certain boroughs, you're a Mets yeah. fan. And in LA, they're like, if you live on this side of like, whatever drive, you're mm-hmm. a Galaxy fan. And when on the other side, you're an LAFC fan, right? Yeah. Like that's how they wanted to do it. And 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 LA is a big enough city and a big enough state to where they can support that, you know, two teams. They're doing it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. But when you get down to USL, you know, the United Soccer League and USL two, which are the two lower levels, mm-hmm. do you know what one of the most successful teams in USL is right now? Uh-huh. The Oakland Roots. They don't even really? have a stadium for next year. And were they playing even, at the college? Uh, I, I, they were, yes. But now they have to find a new stadium. And they've been trying. They like they went to the city of Oakland and like, listen, you have no more football. You have no more baseball. Whatever money you had earmarked for projects, build us a 12,000-seat soccer-only place. And then what we can do is like put our, our youth club there. We mm-hmm. can do all this stuff there and keep it like a community thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm an Oakland Roots fan, Jason. I own one of their <laughs> – Dude, Jason, I own one of their jerseys because their well, because jerseys the roots. are rad as yeah. fuck. That's right. a that's a thing. That's like a clothing company uh, in Oakland as well that is very very embedded uh, in the community. Yes, and the thing is, they're very active on yeah, social media. Very active. Yes. Right. So, and that's what a lot of the soccer clubs are doing at USL, USL two, uh, the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, is just finished up their table for the regular season and they're going into playoffs now and they have a tv deal that uh the the prior league didn't have that went under mm-hmm. you know so like soccer is leaning in knowing continued growth depends on kids mm-hmm. right and soccer is the fastest growing sport in this country by far people right? think it's less problems for concussions yes and the thing is it's not even the case because there are more concussions in soccer than there are in rugby, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but there's fewer concussions in soccer than there are in American football, and that's the big bugaboo, right? Mm-hmm. Like Roger Goodell is panicking right now because he's going into his last contract as commissioner of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think Tagliabue and um, Roselle both retired before they were 64. Goodell is signing this contract at 64, and it's a three-year deal. So at the end of this, we're going to have a brand new commissioner. And what they need to do is hire a young person who has leaned into like the flag football phenomenon. I don't, I mean, I don't know if you know the Olympics, it's going to be in the Olympics in, in Los Angeles. Right. And a lot of that, I mean, we're seeing more like seven on seven non-contact yeah. leagues where they wear like the kind of like old school football helmet. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like you get touched, you go down. Right. And that's how they develop, you know, a, a lot of the offensive skill players are playing. But like. And I, I, I will get I will say this. I love what the NFL is doing with 
uh, I, I mean, people are, like are bitching about like the shapes of the helmets, but have you noticed a lot of them have kind of like a crown on it yeah. and they kind of taper off around the chin. Yeah. So it's protecting like the buttons, you know, right here yeah. and right here. Um, and they're uh, a lot of the helmets, like the one you wear, you see Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard wear mm -hmm. those face masks aren't added. They're already there. The shields, like they're part of the helmet. Oh, interesting. So like, it's there to protect um you know the shift in the brain it's there to you know it adds a better crown you know so like i i commend goodell on on leaning into like it's called 365 play that's the youth program the nfl runs um and they're funding a lot of like peewee football leagues now so kids don't have to pay to play because let's face it american football is one of the most expensive sports Super to play expensive. right next and to soccer know, well well <laughs> no the sad thing is travel the next soccer the next ex most expensive sport is hockey. I thought you were going to say travel league basketball. No, no, dude. Hockey, to outfit a kid in all the gear he needs, including two pairs of skates, is mm. almost $500. Oh, fuck that. And you got to think, sticks, you're probably going through 20 of those a season, and they're not cheap either. So, you know, it's that's the, the, those are the two most expensive sports to play in the United States. Travel basketball is getting up there because of, like, just the bullshit fees and stuff you have to pay. But let's face it, if you and I did a good round of fundraising, like we could start a fucking under 15 team. Well, that's and, what Coach Will did. You know, he was against AAU for kind of not against. He just had his very, 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 very deep beliefs and criticisms about it. And then finally he was like, fine, we'll just run an AAU program, but we'll run it. You know, that's why everybody yeah. that plays basketball in oakland has to go through you know will and orlando if they want to talk to any kid damn near in the city and, of oakland. and that's the way it should be like the fact of the matter is especially what we saw coming from like adidas reebok nike mm -hmm. where they preyed on kids and you had these amazing kids coming out of high school that were immediately ineligible because what did they do yep. they played aau ball they got paid to do it mm -hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't like some slime ball coming in from like out of an alley in oakland like hey man i got like a envelope full of cash for you it was a <laughs> nike fucking rep yep paying this kid in a fucking cashier's check all right like if you pull out a cashier's check with 15 grand on it and give it to a kid who's had nothing his entire fucking life what do you think he's gonna do fuck yeah he's gonna cash that thing i can keep my lights on in my house i can help my parents out i can do this shit right or i can i can get me a car I, you know whatever the case yeah, is yeah whatever it is yeah you dangle that kind of money in somebody in front of somebody who's never had anything, but you're going to fuck up the rest of their life just so you can win AAU title. Like, come oh, on, dude, man. you know, you know, another thing that really hurt basketball was when these guys started saying, don't go to college. It's a waste of time playing these leagues. And LeVar was it LeVar Ball's a dad, right? And remember, he started his league. Yeah. And that league oh. went tits up really quick. But that's why I hit. That's why the kid in. um charlotte played that one year professional ball in new zealand mm -hmm. now i don't mind if a kid does that yeah because we have 318 ncaa division one basketball teams now jesus and yeah i get it there's a 68 team tournament now blah 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 blah, blah. whatever i don't give a shit right most of those kids are never going to see a professional court at a high level Right. But if you know you can play at a high level, if like if that's the goal and if that's what you've been training to, go play in New Zealand, go play in the Philippines, go play mm 
go play in any country other than Israel right now. Okay. <laughs> like is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have great competitive professional leagues where you can make some money. You can sit out that year that's required under the NBA uh, collective bargaining agreement. And then you can put your name into the NBA draft. What I also like though, is with the G league ignite, those are kids that were are essentially doing the same thing and they're all put on one team essentially right to showcase for that season before they get drafted so i think that's great i, I think that's smart um you know because not every kid's supposed to go to college and and the sad thing is is because we are such a fucking you know american exceptionalism you know nation that we refuse to do things like allow our professional teams to set up academies and raise their own players while getting the minimum required education, you know, get, get a high school diploma, right. Um, and be fed into that professional system, but we've tied our minor leagues to our academic institutions, Mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's where we fucked up. I would love, and I, I'm going to say it again, everybody, we need promotion and relegation. We fucking need it. People bitch about college football. Well, the regular season's not going to mean anything. We have a 12-team playoff. Yeah, bitch. Promotion relegation? Mm-hmm. If you're a Vandy fan, that regular <laughs> season is really fucking important. You better win <laughs> You better win six wins or you're dropping down to the fucking Sun Belt, bro. Enjoy. <laughs> you know? Like, it would add something to it. Because the top 20 teams in the EPL, Jason, only six of them are going to be in the, the running to win it all. Mm-hmm. You know, Man City, Man United, Mm -hmm. Arsenal, Mm -hmm. you know, the same teams you hear year after year after year that playing like the Champions League and all that shit. Mm -hmm. The other 14 teams, it's how do we stay up here in the big leagues? Get that, get that TV money, Mm -hmm. you know? Add that kind of drama to college football with 100 and I think 21 teams at the FBS level now. Mm -hmm. Institute promotion relegation, bitch. But have we done that with realignment to some degree? Because no. it seems like it seems, but it seems like, look, with with the Pac-12, for example. I, I know I keep mentioning my home side of the. All right. <laughs> you hit me up the other night, and you were like, I think the last thing you said was, "This is a shame that yes. this league is balling out this way." Oregon State and Cal kind of got you know the middle finger by all the conferences because people were like. You guys have never really been all well, that or, good anyway. Oregon State and Wazoo. Those Wazoo, are the two that sorry, yeah, Cal got left out. Yeah. And and historically, even though, you know, Wazoo has some number one draft picks out of there, you know, Drew Bledsoe and Ryan Leaf. Or as I like to call him uh ye old pill popper. <laughs> and uh, you should. know what? Props to Ryan Leaf for getting a second lease lease on life. As a uh, as a ESPN uh, commentator. And, yeah, uh, I I just always had an issue when he went to West Texas A and M and he was the offensive coordinator there, and you know he got arrested for breaking into yes. the medical staff's office and taking all the painkillers. Yes. I was like, and then he comes out and was like, yeah, I really only took the job because I knew I'd have easy access to this shit. And I know addiction's a bitch, but he drew a lot of players there. Like, and I don't know if you've seen where West Texas A and M is. It's in the yes. middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, it's in West Texas. Yeah, you know, like you know, my brother. Exactly. <laughs> he got a lot of players out there because, like, he was coaching very well. He's a good offensive coordinator at, I think, a D two school, and he moves up to to West Texas A and M. And like, I just, I, I get pissed off because you're like me. I'm 
on the side of the players. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always going to be on the side of the players. They've been exploited for fucking over 100 years, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in the way the sport's structured. And, like, you did that to a bunch of 18-year-old kids who probably wouldn't be caught dead out there on that campus, but they came there for you. And then you get busted, and you say, I really didn't want the job. I just took it because I had easy access to pills. Like, I get, again, I get it. Like, on one hand, it's like, I understand how horrible addiction is, right? I know that. But on the other hand, it's like, bro, don't act like you fucking didn't just pull a bunch of people out to the middle of prison. Keep in mind, he went to prison. Yeah. A lot of coaches pulled a lot of kids to a lot of schools and just got new jobs. That's fair. He actually went to prison. This is why I love and hate you because you make sense and I don't like that. <laughs> I Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a real big proponent on if we really want to be serious yeah. about I don't want prisons. I don't want police. I don't want things. Okay, well, you're going to deal with people that are that are really horrible. And I, and I really like the fact that you pointed out how horrible that was because when people are in the throes of addiction, oh, they're yeah. horrible people. They're extremely manipulative. And most people, it's really hard to maintain your family bonds and you will break them. Oh, and yeah, you will dude, have I've, no one. I am from Northeast Ohio and, was, and also, you know, I'm a vet. I've literally seen the two biggest populations of abusers in the fucking country. Like, cause the Ohio state government, which is completely run by GOP members, uh, has shut down like 50% of the methadone clinics in the state of Ohio. And because they don't believe that opiates change the brain chemistry, the way it does opiates change the brain chemistry in a way. No other substance does. You never bounce back from that. There is no fixing it. The body has a constant need for it. And that's why a methadone clinic is very important because it gives people the opportunity to get a drug that helps eliminate or limit the need for it. And they can go about like, you know, trying to like fix their life. And, you know, Ohio is just being Ohio right now, which I don't want to get into that. But I want to <laughs> I want to address what Isaac said. Isaac said realignment cuts programs off from their local identities and histories. Isaac I'm going to tell you this right now. Jason's already heard me say it. There has been no local or local local identity or history since 1984, since the Oklahoma v. NCAA case. When it went to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said, yes, schools should be allowed to negotiate national television contracts. All that shit went out the window. Right? Mm-hmm. And it got even worse when the ACC raided the Big East and opened the floodgates for all this realignment. But the fact of the matter is there's only been two conferences that have really leaned into football because of rise because one, because of how they perform on the field that led to increased TV money. And that was the sec and the big 10, the PAC 12 decided they were going to start a network without any help from a cable company. And it blew up miserably in their face miserably. And to this day, they are pending lawsuits in like fucking six different courts between Washington State and California for like um, essentially Pac-12 fans filing suit against the conference because they could they paid money when it was supposed to be launched, but they didn't have access to it because the Pac-12 was like, no, we don't need Comcast. We don't need all these cable companies. We're going to do it ourselves. And so there was no distribution, 
right? Which is part of the reason the Pac-12 imploded because they were dug themselves such a financial hole and they held out for a big money deal when the conference was down literally until this season. And then this season, the Pac-12 was like, well, outside of Stanford and Cal, everybody's going to be good. Like, can we admit, fuck? can we admit Stanford versus Colorado? I know it's two unranked teams, two teams no one cares about. That was one of the best football games I've seen since the 2006, 2005 national championship. Oh, dude. And that, well, I mean, I would argue the nation cares about one team and that's Colorado. Nation cares. Like, bro, <laughs> did you not see the fucking roster of just stars on the sideline for that yes. game against Stanford? Fucking ridiculous. Can we admit right? that Stanford has a young quarterback and a young receiver? Those two. I know it's Colorado. Colorado has some good corners. They have a good corner that doubles as a wide out. You don't like, think, you don't like, uh, what's this, what's the corner's name? I love Travis Hunter. I love, no, Travis not Hunter. Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter is, a, is an corner, amazing athlete. Yeah, the Sun. other corner. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> no. Shiloh. No. Shiloh. Okay. Shiloh, yeah. Here, here's the thing with Shiloh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shiloh plays out of position a lot mm-hmm. and he's fast so he can cover up mistakes he makes, but he, I can't remember the Stanford wideouts name. Um, the dude who just blew up for like 294 yards. yards. Yeah. The thing is Hunter and Shiloh covered him and he torched them both. Both. Right. And the thing is, I, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Colorado can, cannot get a pass rush up front. They, they can't provide any pressure. Um, and you know how routes are, Jason, you, you're not football dumb. You know that after like 20 yards, a corner's got other responsibilities. So that wideout can literally just sneak out and catch a wide open ball. You know, so it's just like Sanders went into Dion went into the season knowing there there were going to be holes he has to fill. I don't think he expected the defensive hole to be as big as it actually is. Um, but yeah, I I, I I'm not saying that Shiloh's a bad corner. He needs work, right? He's also young. And, Yes, and if there's a Sanders that that dips out early, it should be Shador. Shiloh should stay all four years, work with his cornerbacks coach, work with the defensive coordinator, and send him up for the best position to get drafted. Why couldn't the defensive coordinator stop? Because it was quick. So if if you guys didn't watch the game, Stanford was down 29. I was done with one of the shows, movie night. We finished up movie night. It was movie night. It was movie night. Yeah. I finished up movie night. I went, I went to see a turn on the game and uh, it says 29, zero Colorado. And there was 12 minutes to play in the third quarter. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be a blowout. And Stanford got the ball. They made him punt. They forced mm-hmm. him punt. Stanford had the ball on their own one or two yard line. The kid did a crazy coffin corner punt. I think they have one of the best punters in the nation. In oh, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, First play, first or second play, it's a slant. It's a slant route, and the kid breaks it for like 90-some yards. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, we, we're not ever going to really pay attention to Stanford athletes. It, it just – David Shaw inherited a great roster from Harbaugh. Yes. He got four years out of them and yes. then forgot how to recruit, right? Like, I think it just Stanford. went back to what Stanford recruiting was. But, dude, Stanford's a rough place to recruit at. I get that. But if Harbaugh is getting the football nerds to move out west, right, 
instead of going to places like Duke. It was a special time. Let's no. go back in the Wayback Machine. No. Tavita Pritchard is his number one quarterback, and they beat a loaded SC team that you're like 55 to 53. And again, Harbaugh recruited all the football nerds, all of them. He got them out there. I mean, right? uh, Andrew Luck comes was he fo- Was a football I'm nerd, agreeing. Though. I'm agreeing, but does, this is also people – look, Andrew Luck – Let's, let's talk about who's in the league from those Harbaugh years, okay. just on the just the big names that we can remember. Because there's a bunch, Jonathan Martin, and there's a bunch of guys that got drafted first. Right? DeCastro yep. is a Stanford guy. Yeah, uh, Andrew Luck comes from a football family. His dad played for how many years in the NFL? Yeah, and he was also on the board of Stanford, I believe, when he when he uh. But was his dad on the board? Okay, th- it all makes sense, right? Th- yeah. th- that 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 pickup made sense. You get uh, uh what's the, Richard Sherman? Richard Actually, Sherman, got a yeah. quarterback. Um, yeah, and the, and the thing is, he, he was one of those weird uh, dual guys, played offense and defense, but he was a QB that played corner. Most QBs I knew in Ohio, they would play like the deep safety, so they never had to hit anybody. <laughs> they would just pick off passes. <laughs> and you, Doug Baldwin. Yeah, another Doug one. Baldwin plays on that Stanford team. Uh the Harbaugh years. Harbaugh has um, Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, Gerhardt had a couple years of the Vikings. I don't uh, know if Harbaugh the... recruited McCaffrey or if that's a David Shaw recruit. I don't. I know. couldn't tell you. Uh, but the guy who followed up uh, Gerhardt as well was his last name Love. Yes. Yeah, he had a couple years in the league too, um, and he was he was a another outstanding, phenomenal but running st- back. The thing about Stanford players is. They'll put up big college numbers, and they don't have to stay in the NFL. Well, no, it's because they're all scientists. Yeah. Like, they don't have to stay. Like, the NFL is not the end-all, be-all for these cats. And yep. I, I think people know that when they're drafting them. And I also – I don't know if that hurts when you're recruiting because you can't point to, you know, all the cats that you have in the league, even though there's quite a few cats in the league. Yeah, that, that I mean, you know, Stanford. it kills me with, when Indy fans get pissed off at Andrew Luck. The dude played behind a really bad mm-hmm. offensive line for, for half his career there. Uh, got beat up pretty bad. He saw what happened to Peyton Manning, like the neck surgeries, the fact that, like, arguably the greatest quarterback in the NFL, couldn't get the ball 10 yards downfield his last season because of nerve injuries. He's got an architecture degree. The motherfucker actually is using it right now, right? Like he's like, you know what? I can make a lot of money building buildings, designing them. And you know what's not <laughs> happening? A fucking 250-pound, 6'6 defensive end at 4% body fat. <laughs> Beating the run, shit out of me. Running 30 miles per hour at me isn't hitting me anymore. Oh no. Oh no. You know he's you know he's a coach at a high school. Yeah. Did you hear the story they told about him? I love that man. The story, the story they told is he went into the to the high school, and uh, the they didn't have plays. The coach left, and they they didn't have any plays. So he went and learned the entire playbook in like a night. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to see what he does in the second chapter of his life. He seems like a decent dude. Yeah, dude. He he seems like 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 he seems like a dude who's like wicked smart, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But also smokes a lot of weed and likes I to hang out. It. I wouldn't right? doubt it. Like, I feel like if you and I rolled up to his pad, 
he wouldn't have the front door locked. <laughs> right? His wife is in the backyard with their with their kids running around, and he's just getting baked in like his study. Right? <laughs> just like <laughs> And we were just like, yo, Andrew, what's up? He's like, hey man. <laughs> <laughs> You guys good? It's good. It's good. You know, I'm not poor. I got good shit. You know, like I, I just he has that look on him. And like, uh, someone pointed up like the Union Army Captain Andrew Luck, like a uh, Twitter, yeah. Twitter thing they had. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up dressed in a fucking Union Army officer's uniform to a game. Like, how many players would really lean into that? He did one from. He dude, seems Jason, like they, really, yeah. They did one from Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Where he was like a, a sergeant major, mm-hmm. and he pissed and moaned about it. And they found out the guy who ran it was like this like nineteen year old dude who was going to Cleveland State or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, I just thought it was funny. I saw the Andrew Luck one. And, you know, like the Browns are in this rough season, we're kind of down. So he's like, I want to do something funny. And Miles Garrett was like, man, I can't believe you just used my picture like that on that on that feed, and he put that stupid hat on me, and like, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man, that's fun. Yeah, like it's okay to enjoy yourself, man. Like, and I that's what I really like. I really appreciate about Andrew Luck was like, listen, I I, I want I have my health. I'm gonna leave the league before I get too far gone because I'm a father and I have a great wife and you know, and I have this fucking rad architecture degree. So I'm gonna go build some weird shit and, and hang out with my kids. Like, how do you not fucking appreciate that? You know, it goes back to like the Russell Wilson conversation we had. Yeah, you're washed. But I'm not going to give you shit for being like on Instagram showing like, hey, this is me hanging out with my hot wife and my fucking kids. Oh, and my stepkids mm-hmm. um, at Disney. Like, how can you give a man shit for just actually enjoying it? Really spe- you know what? Cats are going to hate this. It really speaks to people's anti-blackness no i'm just i hate i'm in all honesty it speaks to people's racism right yeah it does i hate people that say russell wilson's a nerd it's like what what do you want him to be why does he have to be willie beeman for you yeah i mean and that's the thing we've seen we've seen more and more like black players in all leagues Mm -hmm. come out and they're like yo man what'd you do this weekend well i hung out with my wife and we watched some anime played some world of warcraft and they're like what and they're like yeah man like and the thing is this these aren't the players from the 80s that were literally doing lines of coke in the dugout like going out to pitch or play on acid and blowing having all their money gone two years out of the league these these young players are getting like financial classes at at the rookie symposium you heard they're realizing yeah yeah they're having a chance to get generational wealth during their playing career, knowing full well, my I, I get injured, my career could be over tomorrow. I'm going to be smart with my money, right? So, like, that's what they do. Yeah, you're going to see them out and about. But you know what I don't see anymore? Like, honestly, I haven't seen Plasco Burris, like, shooting himself in the leg at a titty club since then. Uh, if, if it wasn't, John Morant is, like, the last idiot. Yeah. And, and I, he honestly, tried really I think, hard. Bro, Jason, I think that has to do with more with mental health than mm. bad behavior. Like, after he got busted like both times, he like he went on Instagram and just goes on these tirades. And like I honestly I I think that's mental health. Um and uh, honestly, like that that kid deserves to like get the help he needs rather than just like absolute censure and what a lot of the sports media is writing about him. 
Um, and, and let's face it, you and I have both been a lot, uh, you know, we've been alive long enough to know that there are sports readers out there that are like, well, look, this is a, this is a young black man who's been let down by his community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and this is normal in America, you know, and it's just like, dude, again, this is your racism showing. This is a mm-hmm. dude who's struggling with his mental health and needs help. That's the goal. Get him help. Maybe he doesn't play basketball again. And that sucks because that kid was something else on the fucking basketball court. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather see him get his life straightened out and, and get the help he needs as someone who has struggled with his mental health because I made the God awful decision to go put on the uniform of the colonizer and fight for as long as I did. Um, you know, I'm glad I snapped out of that shit. Um, but, uh, you know, like you, that's what we should be leaning into. Not, not how, you know, the, the Memphis Grizzlies burned a first rounder and wasted it on a kid. No, we should be leaning into he's struggling. How do we help him get help? Um, and, and aiding him along the way of getting that help. It's hard. We were talking last night. I have some house guests here. And we were talking last night about uh, Dane Cook. Comedian? Comedian Dane, Dane Cook. Cook. And, you know, he sued. He had to sue his brother. Yeah. Took all took a bunch of his now all of his money. Took a shitload of his money. Yeah. And that's all you have is your family when you're in the industry and you got to hope that your family isn't using you as a paycheck. And you're talking about a guy 19, 20 years old and you're giving them hundreds of millions of dollars between their contract, advertising dollars. The world is yours. It's not football where there's a helmet on you. No one knows who you are. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are when you walk around. Everybody, there's people that knew who you were five seconds before you got drafted. And they can't wait to get a piece of you for something. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been to a a big time Hollywood party, there's people there that just have products they want (laughs) you to wear and have on so they can take a picture of you so they can, you know, everybody wants a piece of you. It's, I'm surprised we don't see more John Morant. Well, dude, that's the thing. Like, I was in a documentary where Steven Soderbergh was the executive producer, Mm -hmm. right? We did the after party because we presented the first two episodes at Tribeca during the TV fest. Not even the film festival, the fucking TV festival, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know was a thing. So I had to go and purchase. (laughs) I had to go and purchase the only suit that I own because I don't wear anything with buttons if I can avoid it. And. Soderbergh is there. We have this. We presented two episodes. We do this Q and A, and it's at this giant movie theater in New York City. And then we go down the street to this great spot for like the after party, right? And it's just like you said. There are people there asking me to like put shit on. I'm like, bro, I am nobody. Like, I am literally nobody. I'm a bit player in a fucking documentary, right? Nobody knows who the fuck I am. What you know? Once I walk away from here, you know. But you want me like it, the big one was cologne, Jason. Mm-hmm. It was cologne, mm-hmm. and like the first one. And keep in mind, there's like a million people in this small space, and there's mm-hmm. food. And Steven Soderbergh's like snapping his fingers to get people to move from a table so he and his assistants can sit at it, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of like douchey, you know. <laughs> um, but like you know, we just sat in a movie theater for like four hours. We all just want to get fucked up on free booze, right? Like Stars Network fans, <laughs> who gives exactly. a shit, right? Um, but like this guy sprays it in the air and dude, Jason, I can't tell you if I've ever smelled anything that smelled so bad in my life. And 
I've been around dead bodies, right? It was bad. And he's like, you know, this guy's like, do, do you smell the hints of mahogany? And I'm like, dude, no, this smells like shit. This is <laughs> it's got an oaky afterbirth. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like mesquite smelling duty. You know, I was like, this is not good. And like, this is the only suit I have. And the bars are open till 4 a.m. here. And it's only 930. You think I'm going to spray this shit on my suit that I am going to wear out and about town because I want some divorcee in new york city to make a mistake <laughs> and i was like if i put this shit on me no one's coming near me not even the bartender to tell me to fuck off you smell awful you know and so this guy's like pretty butthurt and the and the the producer's wife you know she's egyptian and she's telling me like mac you can't just like you can't say shit like that to people right and i was like I'm not in the army anymore. I don't have to bite my tongue for anybody and I'm not going to, it smelled bad. And the thing is when she walked past, she was like, Oh, is that the smell? I'm like, yeah, hit you. Didn't yeah, we're surrounded by, dick. yeah. Yeah. I was like, we're surrounded by all this amazing, like Italian food and booze. And like, you can smell the freshly baked bread. And then you like walk three feet in front of you. And there's just this, like you said, Bigfoot's dick after he <laughs> yeah. ran a marathon, mind you, after the marathon, that that odor is just hanging around right and then i get this other guy that's like like hey mac you know we we, we loved you in the documentary and i'm like okay i wasn't acting um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you know um and they're just you know like have you tried this type of belt and i'm like dude i'm a short squat motherfucker i have to get my fucking belt like in the right spot for it to work because I'm built like a goddamn trash can, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, she, she's like, give, like showing me this like stretchy belt, and I'm like, that ain't gonna work, hon. Like, just, just get it away, you know. And then someone brings, like, uh, someone brings out, I kid you not, a ghost writer, and they're like, we want to write your biography, and I'm like, if I'm gonna write, if anybody's gonna write shit about me, it's, it'll be me. So no, thank you. Um, and they're like, well, let me, let me send you a sample, and I'm like, okay, here's my email. Email it to me some of the worst shit I've ever read in my life. Um, you know, and then there was another clone guy, one more. Right. And I was still smoking at this time. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in New York city. I can't smoke around buildings. Nope. So I'm like dying for a fucking cigarette. Right. And I'm fighting through this crowd of people. I haven't had a cigarette in like six hours, dude. And at this point I'm like Nick fitting like a motherfucker. I have two vodka sodas in my goddamn hands and i'm like i just have to make it to the rail of this place and i'm allowed to light up and i could like go to the other side put my drinks down and still like drink while i smoke right mm -hmm. and that was the goal the dream that was the dream at the time indeed my friend and this fucker comes out and he is just this tiny little man right <laughs> and he's like you know mr mcginnis and i was like don't ever fucking call me that dude don't don't ever call me mr mcginnis uh what do i call you i was like everybody calls me mac dude even my mother what do you need like what do you what do you got mm -hmm. and he opens the suit jacket pulls it out of the inside <laughs> and i'm like cologne man i was like somebody already sprayed shit into the air and it still <laughs> smells like shit in there like what what does this smell like and he's like well this is for the more this is for the masculine man that wants to smell nice and i was like because i'm bald and i have a beard and I'm stocky. Weird. I'm a masculine man. 
Doesn't okay. everybody want to smell nice? Yeah, I was like, I don't like smelling bad. Like, nobody wants to be around the smelly person. Yeah. Nobody, you know? And he, like, he's like, well, can I can I spray some on your wrist? And I'm like, absolutely not. You cannot spray anything on me right now. And so I, I handed him a napkin. And he sprayed it on there. And I was like, I was like, oh, this isn't bad, right? And the closest thing I could equate it to is, like, the Adidas, like, um, like beach scent that they had for a little bit mm-hmm. like it like it was it was nice mm-hmm. so i was like okay dude this is like this smells like you know the adidas beach scent um yeah yeah timothy yeah you know what <laughs> timothy I, i'll tell you what i need you to develop and make a lip balm for tough guys and i'll hawk that product for you i will ensure the mustache stays trimmed so you can see top lip and i'll just pucker up well, <laughs> tough man lip balm for only the toughest men with beards, and then we'll just make commercials. <laughs> um, but I was like, I was like, this smells nice, dude. I was like, but what's the difference? And they were like, well, you know, we used uh, this the sea salt, and I was like, I like cooking with it. I didn't realize it had a particular scent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but no, we you know we added it to it. And I was like, listen, man, I'll tell you what, I'll just take the bottle. Um, you give me your card. And I'll, I'll hit you up. And I never did. I just used the bottle of free cologne. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls in New York liked it. I hooked up that night. And <sighs> what re- what really made it for me, I was staying at the Nomad, a five-star hotel. Uh, so I was like, hey, man, you want to go back to the hotel? They're like, oh, my God, where? And I'm like, the Nomad. They were like, oh, the Nomad. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it made it seem like I actually could afford a place like the Nomad. But again... Thank you, Stars Network, um, <laughs> that paid to put me up there and then gave me a $200 a day per diem. So that was fucking rad. And this is all the people staying next to you heard from your room. Yeah. <laughs> not come. Do not come. I'm going to come. <laughs> You know what? I was really drunk that night, Jason, but that's probably how the end of <laughs> Do you not come? Uh, I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all they heard. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Isaac, I might have thrown that out, too. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. It, it was a weird night. I was, like, famous for an evening. People wanted to talk to me and shit. <laughs> Not going to lie, guys. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a, a firm comrade, but sometimes you just want one night where you're famous. And I was that night. And I took <laughs> goes to full die. advantage of that shit. I want I would, if it, look, it, comment on this. This is definitely champagne room material that we're saying right now. We shouldn't be saying this. Yes. But. Yes. Okay. If a man, so told do... you, if a man yelled out, boom goes the dynamite, would you be like, I can't, You please get off of me? <laughs> I mean, all right, let, let's, let's, let's be honest here. I'm going to do this. You know, I was in the army for 16 years. 
I would have staff duty or CQ, which is duty in the barracks. And it's a 24-hour duty. So late nights, especially on the weekends, you're going to hear a lot of weird shit because the federal government barely spends any money on the barracks that they put their soldiers to live in. Uh, so things like black mold appears, your shower may or may not work, your ceiling's probably going to cave in. Oof. It's just going to happen, right? So, like, you got to walk the halls, make sure doors are secured, you know, if anybody's got, like, a a, a guest, you know, they got to be chased out at, like, one. And I was very, very on top of that because I, you know what I was not going to allow to happen? Anybody be sexually assaulted on my watch. Mm-hmm. Not going to fucking happen. So, like, one night I'm going down the bricks, just checking doors. Everything sounds good. And, Jason, you just hear... And I'm like, <laughs> and immediately I'm like, great. Like someone is saying no, you know, like, and, and this dude turned. And so I'm like listening. You know how it is, like, when you hear something, yeah. you don't know where it's at, you're just focused. You're looking for the trouble. Yeah. Yes. And I get there. And again, you just hear, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And it, it sounds like someone's being hit. <laughs> Right. And the thing is, with the way the barracks were set up, you had a main area where there was like a kitchenette and the bathroom. And then each soldier had their own rooms with their own doors. Right. Well, I turned the doorknob. Front door wasn't locked, which I was like, well, there's that's bad. And then I go in there and this is not a three way. It's not a four way. It's a full on fucking orgy oh, in the God. barracks room. Oh, nine people. Oh, just rotating you know a lot of things poking in the spots like the shunting yeah and i i go in there and like everybody stops and then looks at me <laughs> like i'm talking mid thrust like all that and, and all i could say was This took a lot of coordination to set up. I'm going to let you finish. (laughs) But I'm going to need you to wrap it up and let's go 25 minutes. And the kids who kids, the the, the person who lived in the bricks, like in Mm -hmm. that barracks room, Mm -hmm. you see his head shoot up from like this. (laughs) And he goes, Sergeant Mack, we only need 15. (laughs) <laughs> I just backed out and I closed the door and 15 minutes later Jason I see like 8 people just file past the CQ desk go to their cars and he walks out in a fucking robe with some slippers on just like <laughs> and I was like bro what the fuck possessed you to do this and he's like am i getting in trouble and i was like honestly no i i i felt very overstimulated <laughs> walking in you know i've had a threesome and i think it only worked out because i was coming off the high of a blink 182 concert <laughs> you know like i don't know if i have the coordination to handle two women right i just don't at, at being I'll turn 42 in a couple weeks. I don't think I got it in me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. But this kid was just like, hey, Sergeant Mac. And keep in mind, this is before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was lifted. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Sergeant Mac, like, I'm not gonna lie. 
I'm in the dudes. <laughs> I'm in the chicks. I wouldn't say I'm heterosexual. I wouldn't say I'm homosexual. I wouldn't say I'm bisexual. I'm just sexual. And I was like, okay, man. I just strongly, you know, recommend using protection. And he goes, oh, no, no, we did. We totally did. Um, I, he's like, I'm not going to be the one that passes around an STD in my community. And I'm like, wait, you're going to do this again? He's like, oh, I do whatever. <laughs> and then he said this to you, Mac. I came here for two things, to, to suck some hard candy and suck some dicks. Yeah. I mean, and apparently the dude had a good thing going because yeah. like my, my peers would be like, hey, man, do you hear the sh- did you hear the shit coming out of that room? I'm like, whatever you do. Just give them a hard time. That's what I got to do. 1230, you guys got to be out there and be like, we got you. We'll, we'll have it wrapped up, you know? And it was just one of the most surreal things of my life was was being an NCO on the weekends in the barracks because you get everything from the kid who will not leave his room the entire two days and just plays video games to the young 19-year-old sexual guy uh, <laughs> who runs swingers parties out of his barracks. Like, <laughs> Don't stick your dick in these holes. Don't That's stick right. Your dick in these holes. I mean, yeah. and that and that takes us back to sports. Remember, this used to happen back in the '80s all the time. Okay, mm-hmm. like you had players swapping partners, and it was just a. I was trying for a segue there. I'm missing it. But, uh, <laughs> I I feel like it becomes more drama. The internet has made more drama out of players' personal lives than I care to know about. Yeah, I mean, and honestly. Again, we've seen more players just say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing much of the partying. Like, I'll we'll, we'll do like team events or like you know big big things during off seasons. But like during the season, I have to make sure I'm on top of my game. I have to play the best I can. I'm going for that next contract, and I have to be able to to set up this generational wealth, not just for me and my wife, but so my kids are taken care of. Like, I get that, and I, I applaud that because like it's a science now. Derek Henry's like, dude, I haven't had bread since 1998." um you know he does the he does the cupping therapy yeah you know he doesn't drink alcohol he's very meticulous about what goes in the body and then when you look at the guy you're just like yeah that that shows and oh he he plays he does those workout videos it's insane yeah i mean look at nick chubb this summer dude squatted 850 pounds three times who the fuck does that once it just sounds like a hemorrhoid to me you know and it, I mean, it's just these guys are are smarter than their forebears. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate about young players now is during the the various work stoppages, and when they're asked, you know, going into potential, um, you know, uh, deals between the players' association and the leagues, you know, they're like, well, you know, you guys keep losing money to the former players because we have you have to fund their pensions, and all these young players are like, who cares? They barely made enough to live when they played. They set the standard for me, you know, they set the yeah. groundwork for me to make millions. The least I could do is make sure they have enough to take care of themselves now. Like people forget this. Bill Russell had to live off his fucking NBA pension for about four years when he got out. His NBA pension was $21,000 a year. The mm. man won 11 fucking titles, seven of them as player coach. Jesus. Right? Completely reset the mindset for what a center should be Mm -hmm. with his play became one of the top civil rights icons in the fucking country Mm -hmm. 
and at one point was the most recognizable man in Boston. And that's saying something for a black player that played in the 60s and 70s, right? Mm-hmm. That's fucking nuts. Boston is still a notoriously racist city in a lot of spots, right? So for the fact that, you know, that that Bill Russell was was the godfather there, right? And he had to live off his pension for a few years. And I mean, he he ended up using his degree and going into other, you know, businesses and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, a, a guy like Bill Russell, why? Uh, so, you know, like, I love that these young players, like, absolutely not. We will continue to fund those pensions to make sure these players are still taken care of. And not even just uh, taken care of financially. Guys like Earl Campbell, who you know, three years after he left the league, couldn't even walk without the aid of a cane and a walker. You know, he's had both of his knees replaced and the Players Association were the ones that were like, no, we have to raise uh, uh, the amount of medical funding for the pro- for the former players. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to like pay for anything. You know, so I think that's really fucking rad. And, you know, is it weird that our most powerful unions in the country right now are literally professional athletes unions? Yes, that's kind of fucking weird. Uh, I think the UAW is starting to fucking kind of claw back uh there yeah a little bit you know they're uh they're standing um but uh i love the solidarity that you're seeing between younger players and and the guys who played in the 60s 70s 80s you know in early 90s so i think that's really fucking rad that that's that's great uh because you don't see that in a lot of in a lot of industries you don't you don't see it at all maybe we can see some of that labor solidarity in some of these strikes um that we're seeing before we go, I do want to ask you, college football, USC fell to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They got beaten very badly. Yeah, it wasn't good. USC, in my opinion, has a horrible offensive line. Their defense seems non-existent. It is exactly Caleb Williams making magic happen every play. With, the, with those wideouts. Exactly. With he those does have a good one. Brendan Rice is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your... What do you think of USC? What do you think of of Notre Dame? And can UW, Washington, Michael Penix and, and Washington, who who beat a very good Oregon team, mm-hmm. um, can they make legitimate noise? Because now it's it's league play. UW is going to the playoff. <clears throat> I don't I don't think there's any way you can keep them out if they can continue to win. Um, I think that Oregon win on granted it was Pac-12 after dark. I get it, but it had big TV numbers because you had two ranked teams, just two quarterbacks that are going in the first round next year. Even though we both agree Bo Nix is not, he's Jake Walker 2.0 to me. Yeah, I don't know if Bo goes in the first round. I think he, I think he might be like a second, third rounder as a project. He's Uh, bigger than Bryce Young. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell you right now, he's more limited. And, and a lot of other things. And I and I don't say that at Oregon because Oregon's system is set up to put a quarterback in the best possible position. I'm talking about a time that Auburn showed how yeah. limited he was. Um, but I think UW makes the playoff. Uh, I think UW's going to have another couple. You know, they'll have a few more rough games this year because it's a long season. Um, but Michael Penix, a guy I used to make fun of when Ohio State would just treat him like a fucking lawn dart Um, (laughs) when he was at Indiana. uh, Just looks amazing uh, getting out to the West Coast, especially playing for Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I love Kalen DeBoer. I thought that was probably one of the best hires of that recruit, uh, the hiring cycle, Uh, Washington hiring him away from Fresno. Um, Now, I love Marcus Freeman 
head coach in Notre Dame. You know, he's a he's a Buckeye. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for him. Um, again, we're going to go showing their racism. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame fans did it big time during Ty Willingham's time there. Yes. Um, and the fact that Marcus Freeman, who had, I mean, I, say what you want about Brian Kelly. Uh, he didn't recruit well and and you have to understand recruiting at notre dame's rough again it's like recruiting for the stanford of the midwest yeah um which i think is even worse because at least when you get out to cal you're like wow man this weather is really fucking nice those championships notre dame won was in that year where the the standards for the sats went down yeah and and you gotta think they won the acc title in football in 2020 because they were like fuck it it's a covid year things are really (laughs) weird sure um you know but Freeman, I think, is is stacking that team very, very well, very, very well uh, with with good players. I mean, Hartman's a band aid. Uh, you know, he's a six year senior. Uh, he's going there to finish his uh, master's degree, uh, get some more game film for the NFL. I don't know if 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 Hartman is going to be. I I don't think he's going to be a first round pick. No, uh, he's kind he's kind of been exposed in the Louisville game, uh, especially. Um, but I, I think Freeman's haven't you know, like he set Notre Dame up for success. Um, and the thing is, he has to because of the way realignment's unfolding. I don't see that Notre Dame continues to get big money contracts from NBC because I don't know if you know this. NBC is a partial partner in the Big Ten now. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> so they're they're on the hook for like a quarter of the almost seventy million dollars each team in the conference gets throughout the TV deal. Okay. So Notre Dame makes $38 million a year from their TV deal with NBC. Notre Dame's picking up, or excuse me, NBC's picking up a quarter of 70 mil, you know, going to what will be 16 teams soon. Right. Mm -hmm. Even with partial shares for Oregon and Washington, when they move to the big 10, that's a lot of money going out. At one point, is it not cost effective for NBC to continue to shell out $40 million for one fucking team that isn't competitive for national titles, right? You can make up that with if you're playing a conference and you're going to be a, a, a team that wins our conference every fucking year or is in the running, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're an independent, I mean, Army is moving from the, they're moving to the AAC. You know, they're giving up their independent status. BYU is giving up their independent status. New Mexico State just gave up their independent status and, and joined the Sun Belt. Notre Dame's going to be last team standing soon. It'll be them and UMass. <laughs> which, yeah. You know, if you UMass should do what Idaho did and drop down to FCS, you yeah. know. Um, Win some but titles. like, yeah, I mean, Idaho has been a top five team in FCS since they dropped down. You know, so like I don't understand like Notre Dame's continued insistence on independence when you have an easy conference, you could probably win every year in the ACC. They could fucking do it. All their other teams except their men's hockey team are in the ACC. You know, so just go in, go all in. The toughest team you're going to face every year right now is Florida State. And I say this because Clemson fucking old dickhead hick fucking Dabo Swinney's like NIL's the he's it's the devil and it's taking away the amateurism of the game and yeah I make 10 million dollars at a publicly funded school 
I just had a colored quarterback tell me to go fuck myself. That's right. (laughs) What what in the year 3000 bullshit is this? You know, like he he's going to lose. He's going to give away what was a one, you know, for 10 years, a top three or four program because he doesn't want to lean into NIL. Whereas recruiting is hard at Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman's like, nope, we're going to have NIL collective set up here. We're going to do what we can to help student athletes and not just football players, mm-hmm. every student athlete. At Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Like if they got NIL money coming in, Hey man, guess what? We got some financial planners here for you. So you can kind of set up how it's coming in. They can walk you into how to like file out taxes, all this stuff. Like Marcus Freeman is 37 years old. Mm running one of the largest programs mm-hmm. in the fucking country and he's very forward thinking with it and i fucking love it he has a lot to learn about like game management you know he kind of shot himself in the foot a couple times especially against ohio state not just this year but last year as well um you know like but that that comes with with experience and i think this is the best way for coaches to get it now it's not to be a coordinator for 20 fucking years If you are the guy, especially at the college level, that can connect with top flight recruits, get them to your university. You build a staff that can help coach them up, and you do, like we've said, be the CEO of that fucking program. That's all you got to do. Yeah. You know? And Freeman's going to be able to do that. Freeman, A 37-year-old Freeman is going to be able to connect with an 18-year-old kid more than fucking – 71 year old tommy tuberville in cincinnati or auburn or wherever the hell he fucking coached right mm-hmm. you just see this fucking old gray-haired cracker like well you know boy i can get you some playing time in two years because freshmen and sophomores don't play for my <laughs> no 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 you're gonna sit a little bit right and it, and not only you're sit you're gonna learn this offense it's about 100 years old even in 1998 and <laughs> Yeah, bro, win about eight games. But Auburn fans think they're, you know, Auburn's a great team. Bitch, you won a one title with a transcendental quarterback that you had to have transfer in, right? Like, Auburn fans are the fucking, some of the worst. Like, your team's been dog shit most of its history, but you somehow, like, have this very big, like, chip on your shoulder. Like, you deserve to be a winner. You are, you are the Texas A&M of the SEC oh before A&M God. moved to the SEC. I am going to get so many. I have a very good friend of mine that actually hit me up today from at live, still lives in Alabama. I'm going to get some, a very stern talking to in a voicemail because of you. So. Well, I mean, you know, my brother, <laughs> you can just give him my number. <laughs> he could leave it on my phone. <laughs> and then I'll reply with a text message saying, Thank you for your thoughts. While they're appreciated, you can kindly fuck off. My new thing Auburn is that's sucks. nice. That's my, my new thing now, Mac, is uh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's nice. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll one-up you. That's swell. <laughs> the southern people used to trip me out with, bless your heart. When, they, when oh. instead of calling you like fucking retarded, they'd be like, bless, bless your heart. Oh, that's the Ooh, worst. Bless his heart. Like I'd get people come up to like when I had my uh, my own place, I'd have like my starry plow flag and like mm-hmm. uh, international brigade or or like you know some other like socialist hammer and sickle. union yeah. union. Oh well, I had one that up for a little bit. They got really mad about that That's until someone good. stole it. Um, but like so I started putting like nondescript ones up, <laughs> you know, and like I'd get hi sweetie, what flag is that? Like that one's it. That that's what Espanol. <laughs> yes, mate. Yeah, that's Spanish. 
well, what does it say? Well, it says the 15 Brigada Internacional No Passeron. And they're like, well, what's that say? 15 International Brigade No Passeron, roughly translated into no one passes. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that from? Ma'am, do you have a half hour for me to talk to you about the Spanish Civil War? <laughs> you sound like a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, baby, can I can I get the Cliff's notes? Yes, you can. Communists and anarchists fought back against fascists under that flag. And unfortunately, they lost, opening the floodgates of fascism in Western Europe, which has slowly creeped into our everyday life here in America. Oh, that is not even true. You're one of those. Oh, we got a... Janie, we got a liberal over here. Oh, ma'am, I'm not a liberal. Well, then what are you? I'm a communist. Oh, my God. Not on our street. On, on this street. No, my brother. <laughs> well, communist, that other flag's green. It's got to be Irish, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Irish. It's a story plow. It's the flag of the Irish Citizen Army. Socialist militia that fought in the 1916, uh, you know, uprising in Dublin. Oh, socialism. That's what we need here in America. More of it. <laughs> more Stop of off. it. You're like, yeah, maybe. Shit. Yeah. That just made me like that much. Like that much. Yeah. That you much. Know. Tammy, someone said, Tammy, get the picture. Yeah, vir- virtuoso. Tammy and Jane tried to, and it just, <laughs> when they re- they saw me walking out with all my gun cases one day to go to the range. They realized I was not the commie that was not unarmed. So. I don't know why people think. Look, this is another show. We 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 meandered for too long. Look, I, we have see Tucson right now is like they're still on, and I wish I could be there to just get this, back in line. Both of you. Tomorrow is going to be a a tough one. We we agreed to do the phones, and 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 I said, well, we're going to do a champagne room, and and to, I could hear her go. <laughs> we did three we did phones for so long matt because i have a phone i have to pay for that by the second yeah and i turned it on the moment we got on we blew through the entire budget <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna get something to like change my voice and call it like <laughs> i first caller <laughs> hey listen up hey listen up we gotta talk about all this communism here <laughs> Be like Mac. I know it's you. I fucking know it's you, dude. Hey, who who's Mac? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> My name's Gerald. I'm I'm from South Forest, North Dakota. That, that, yeah, that's me. I work in oil fields. Damn it. <laughs> I used to work with Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a roadie for for your for for for, for the band. Yeah, that one band. Which band, Gerald? Uh, that one. The communist one. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk about communists. I gotta go click. <laughs> I, I I do have something I'm gonna I'm gonna read um about uh some right wing infiltration into the public school systems that I think is kind of important and we're not oh, uh, talking about it too much. My God, dude, that is it's nuts the way it's going. And the thing is, it's like, you know, the sad part is I'm gonna wrap this up because I have to piss like nobody's business because I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> I drank two like very tall boys of white claw. Um, they're they're on sale, Jason. Okay, and I don't get paid until Friday. Hey, this is a um, judgment free zone. Yeah. Um, but uh, like here in North Carolina, they have literally like gotten their hooks into everything, and and not Wake Raleigh's still fighting back, but I think around the Char- the counties around Charlotte, and like right there on the South Carolina border, mm-hmm. you can no longer reference 
like certain speeches by Dr. King. You can't reference Malcolm X as a civil rights leader. He was a dissident. Whoa. Um, yeah. Um, you know, not that many schools talked about like Marcus Garvey, but like you can't reference any work Garvey did. Um, you know, because like outside of of his political views and 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 what he was working to, he did a lot of like things in the community because like he had to, right? Like so, you can't reference any of that. You can't talk about Black Wall Street wasn't just in Tulsa; it was also in Greensboro, like literally right down the road. Yeah. You cannot, you can't talk about that anymore. Well, you had a situation in Greensboro in the seventies. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, it's like, and their whole thing is, it's we don't want white students feel bad about themselves well bro i'm gonna tell you right now as a historian right and i'm just like a double a historian maybe someday i'll make it to the majors but you know i gotta have funding for that shit and that shit's expensive um but the fact of the matter is if you present information like and i only got to sub but like i presented information to students Mm -hmm. and i made it engaging in such a manner that they actually ask questions and that's the goal of a history teacher because most kids don't like history they don't want to fucking know but if you connect to the students and the students i worked were you know the school district i worked in was like 70 percent african-american so what do you think i fucking talked about african-americans in the 20th century american history like part so i talked about black wall street in tulsa i talked about black wall street in greensboro i talked about the black union leaders that helped uh, the rise of the uaw who were violently smashed down in 1945 before the end of World War II, right? I talk about, you know, I talked about Garvey. I talked about uh, Malcolm X. I talked about the Panthers. You know, I talked about, you know, Kwame Turia. Like, I talked about all this shit, and I was nominated for a substitute teaching award, and the administration comes back and is like, well, you can't come back. Mm. Mm. And and the thing is, uh, my last assignment of the year was a 10-page paper. I'm, in my head, I'm like, don't expect 10 pages from anybody because, like, most kids just don't read well enough to write a 10-page paper. I only had one paper out of 86 that came in at less than 10, and it came in at eight and a half, and it had graphs. So I wasn't even that Oof. mad, right? Mm-hmm. So I managed to present this this information that made kids engage with it in a way that they wanted to know more, and they did the readings, and they did a 10-page paper. And I think the lowest grade I had was like a 76. And that was more along the lines because I this kid could barely read, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like, and I brought this up and I'm like, why is this bad? Everybody should know about this. Mm-hmm. Well, white students are going to feel bad about themselves. No, I, I've got white students. They weren't feeling bad. They wanted to know why this happened. Mm-hmm. What led to the structural inequalities in the system that allowed these things to happen, that allowed black leaders to be murdered and nobody got in trouble for it you know things like that they just asked questions they were engaged with the with with the actual information which for me as a dude who's never taught like you know real students i taught a bunch of dumb army people you know <laughs> but like if i could teach dumb army people how to do their jobs i knew i could teach students mm-hmm. and I, I like i i think i did pretty well you know especially i mean i can only imagine you know me being as opaque as i am as like a black student or hispanic student learning history from a dude who looks like me but never talks about what actually happened you know to the you know your forebears in this country um and and not getting that information you know like i had a hispanic student come up 
when we were talking about labor stuff and I recommended a book about Cesar Chavez mm-hmm. and they were like, who the fuck is Cesar Chavez? And I'm like, one, don't swear in the classroom, please. Like I have to be somewhat professional. Um, but Cesar Chavez was fucking rad, dude. So read this book and you're gonna learn a lot about him. Right. So he comes back and he knocked the shit out in like two weeks and he's like, you know, Hey, Mr. Mag, like this is actually a really good book. And I'm like, I, I told you, like, it, it, he was an amazing figure, huge in labor movement, huge in, 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 in like uh, agricultural organization and, and, and for protecting, you know, Latin American rights here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you don't, why don't you hear about this? I'm like, bro, because the powers that be do not want a well-informed labor pool. They want you to be dumb. I was like, dude, do you know why they put bells in the schools, man? And he's like, no. I was like, you know what was in factories that shifted like your lunch break or an end of a shift? And he's like a bell. And I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. They wanted to condition you from first grade. You hear that bell, you go do the next thing. I was like, that's what this is. They don't want you to be well-informed. They don't want you to be educated about your history or my history or anybody's history. They don't want you to fucking learn it. They want you to take a standardized test, get through so they can get you into the job pool. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I felt horrible for this kid. Like I fucking horrible. And I only had one negative interaction with a parent and he came in to my classroom on one of my open periods and just started motherfucking me, man. And I'm at the desk. I got my headphones on, dude. I'm just grading papers. Mm -hmm. And I don't even notice until I see like a shadow move and I'm like, look up. I'm like, Hey, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, you know, my student or my son is this, this student. You know, and he's like, he came in and he gave me the prompt that you're using to, you know, write this paper. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I think you're making my son feel bad. I'm like, well, I talk to your son almost every day and he has no issue and is one of the most engaged kids in the class. And, you know, is a bright kid. And, uh, you know, so I'm sorry you feel that way. I was like, but I'm busy. I got great papers. And I'm really not in the mood to have this conversation. So can you please leave my classroom? And he's like, you know what, man? I think you're bad at your job. And I was like, all right, man. So I took my headphones off. And I like got everything turned off. And I pushed myself back from my desk. And I was like, hey, man, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a roofer. I was like, cool. Where's your next job at? And he's like, why do you want to know that? I was like, so I can come to your fucking job? <laughs> And tell you how shitty of a job you're doing. I was like, you think this shit's easy. It's not. I was like, I know roofing's not easy. I did that for a little bit. But I was like, you're not going to come in my classroom and tell me I'm bad at my job when I got kids actively trying to learn history. I was like, dude, that is a fucking fool's errand. And I'm I'm hitting it, man. I'm, I'm good at it. You know? So I was like, so you can either give me the address of your next roofing job or you can get the fuck out. Like, it's like that. And I'm pretty sure that he went and complained to the administration, which led to me not being you uh, did brought the, back. You did like <laughs> the politest version of, I don't go to your job and slap the dicks yeah. out of your mouth. That was like the nicest way of yeah. saying that shit ever. Dude. dude, I was just like, you know, it just, it's, it's shocking because my, my youngest brother's a teacher down in South Carolina and it hasn't been as bad, but it's starting to like get to that point. And my brother's Hispanic, you know, he's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that kid's been dealing with it from like my racist ass grandparents and shit since he came out of the womb. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen like a kinder, just better dude that just has deals with the shit by letting it roll off his back 
and he deals with like racist students and racist parents and you, you never see a smile off his face he's like dude i love my fucking job he's like i love being a teacher and one he can say that because his wife makes a lot more money than him <laughs> and supports everything right two you but like we were talking and he's like it's getting harder because the, the south carolina state legislature is starting to like really introduce some really fuzzy things mm-hmm. you know and he's like i have a feeling that they're going to start coming after history curriculum soon which really sucks i i my my i'm going off of california i'll give you guys a little bit of preview going off of california you know I, when i drive up my phone only has so much battery i don't listen to podcasts um people always go what podcast you listen to like, i don't sorry uh i do listen to music very very uh, an array of sounds and then it dies at some point around Fresno. It takes about 14 hours for me to get to, to the bay, 14 hours to get back. The same place it always dies. Sports radio goes out, right? That's the only thing I want to listen to is people saying horrible things about sports. And then it's just, it's either Jesus oh, yeah. or, or conservative talk radio. And Fresno has probably, and this is local. This isn't a nationally syndicated show that I'm listening to. It's pretty intense. And at one point, the woman goes, one of their guests who was part of some moms for well, probably mothers for liberty, some shit. Right. Yeah. And she goes, um, we're lo- we've lost the state house to the Democrats and the socialists, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that's it's it's a it's a it's a take, Jason. It's oh, a take. so. Uh, and also, I want to throw out my my good friend. I'll be Saturday. I'll be in L.A. Ben Burgess is debating one of the heads of the Los Angeles GOP something, some black guy. And I, and I was warning Ben. I was like, I you better be ready for the identity shit. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it'll come quick. It'll be quick. These these people, they were really anti-Marxist. Didn't understand Marx, but just being anti-Marxist was all I heard for about the hour that I had to stick with conservative radio and and on both ways i'm hearing it, and it's the same thing and the, and the lady said at one point she goes we lost we lost the state house but what we are winning is local school districts mm-hmm. we're winning in there and there's there's a thing going on right now and i think chino hills is a school district which is in a place in southern california i think it might even be in la county but it's like the outskirts of la county and the school district was calling parents and outing the children to the parents like, oh, by the way, your kid is showing yeah. up at school and saying they're Rebecca instead of Robert. Or mm-hmm. we think your kid is gay. Just heads up, um, yeah. which I thought was odd. Um, and I kind of want to get people's reaction to, to that. And I want people to understand that there's a messaging war on a few things that the left has totally lost on. Oh, well, dude, look at – I mean, it, Republicans play the long game better than anybody else. Look at what they did is. with the with the uh, judicial system. Yep. They've been planting judges, super conservative, John super Birch Society judges since yep. the 60s. You know? And that's, like, what kills me with all of these liberals that are like, how, how can you be upset that Obama didn't ask, like, Ginsburg to retire? Or he didn't do – like – he dropped the ball and left over 200 federal judge positions open. And when Trump took over, the John Birch Society literally slid over a list of paper with names, and he just plugged them in. Just plugged them in. 
and and there's there's also like a messaging war like we don't get crime right we definitely don't get homelessness right so you know i kind of want to talk about those things and then of course going to open up the phones and people can uh yell at oh, me man yeah dude i'm here for that time. man that's awesome. a good time i love getting yelled at. no people are really good when they call in can't lie yeah, we we got we got some good some good eggs in this in this community I'm, we have i'm I really love the community that's formed around this show. Uh, everybody that's been a part of it. Uh, it's It's been a four years this month, by the way, Mac. Four, four years. years old. Four years Man. I've been doing this. And look at you, Jason. And look at me now. I fled Oakland for <laughs> Mexico. It was four years. That's all it took, right? No, I do. I mean, it's it's great though because, like I said, I have friends in North Carolina that listen to the show, and I think that's absolutely awesome. Uh, I believe in like a big tent uh, left, like I really mm-hmm. do. I believe we all have something to offer each other. Mm-hmm. But I also like I, I I put it like the best way I can put it. I was dating a black girl, and she's like, "Hey, come over to the house. We're doing a barbecue. We're gonna play spades." I don't play spades. I was in the army. That's what you do to kill time, mm-hmm. right? So I'm playing spades, had a good run, and my girlfriend at the time looks at me and kind of gives me a head nod. I was like, all right, guys, thanks for having me. I got to (laughs) go. And everybody's like, what the fuck? Why do you got to go? And I'm like, I just got to go. We had spoken earlier, and she's like, listen, you got to understand. She's like, black woman, a large black family, and sometimes I just need to be around black people. Mm -hmm. So like, when I give you the nod, you got to go. I was like, bet. (laughs) She gave me the nod, I left. And that's how I look at, like, when people are like, well, you want the Big Ten, but you think that, like, I've got a, a Hispanic friend that runs, like, a, uh, it's, it's focused more on agricultural organizing amongst, like, you know, Latin workers. They're like, you, you think he should just have that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the community he grew up in. Yeah. He can better organize that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, I also have a... a you know, and it's not a friend, but an acquaintance, somebody I've, like I've spoken to um, and, and had correspondence with, you know, she is a leftist Jewish person who um, kind of works alongside, you know, uh, Palestinian aid groups to get like what they can into Gaza and the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like and she works amongst left leaning American Jews. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, do you think she should just have that group? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Who better to kind of organize a Jewish space uh to, to help Gazan, you know, to, to highlight what's happening to Gazans and the, and the people in the mm-hmm. West Bank than somebody who lived over there for a few years and knows it and is in the community. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's okay to have like these subsets, but we're all kind of like under one. One big lefty umbrella. Yeah. Sometimes you need that. Well, I just want to know before we sign off, if there is a part-time white lady yoga teacher out there. I, I'll never I, ask you to leave. If I'm playing dominoes with a room full of black people, I probably, my friend, <laughs> I actually know two of them. Um, when I do sneak out to the bar, uh, there's one, her name is Mandy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, tradi- Mandy. Oh, traditionally already. spelled with a Y, not an I. Oh, okay. Um, she doesn't have, she doesn't have the bob. She, her, she actually has very long hair that like goes down all the way to her ass. Will she put um, it in a ponytail think... when we're running errands? Oh, absolutely. I think okay. I've actually seen her out with a giant bun as well, just to keep okay. it up off her back because, you know, it gets hot out here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but she is a full-time yoga teacher because she's mm. she's a hundred percent disabled from the military, so that's all she does is just yoga. See, the full-time yoga, the thing that scares me, the this woman also has to have a pension or four hundred one k. So, well, she's and not, there can't be crystals in the house. We can't get no crystals in the house. Well, I've never you know, been in your my house. brother. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But she does get. 100% disability through the VA is almost four grand a month, and it passes on to the spouse in the event of that person's death. Jesus Christ, Mac, this is a true crime you're setting up. <laughs> <laughs> that woman better not have a slip and fall. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to look like Bigger Thomas in this motherfucker. Jesus Christ. Um, no. But she's, she's, she's a nice she vegan. Like, you can't, like, look, here's. Oh, thing. no, no, no. She loves steaks. Like Paul Prescott said Jason trying to date a federal <laughs> the yoga hobby. How did you know? <laughs> and, and she, she does enjoy gin and tonics. That's the only red, that's like, fine. red flag that's for fine. me. That's, look, I don't mind if there's a bunch of white claws and shit and like she's a big wine connoisseur. That doesn't bother me. Right? <laughs> what What would bother me is if there's crystals in the house. That would annoy the shit out of me. Like, I don't care if she's like, um, oh, uh, let's have a sex in the city marathon tonight. I'd be like, I'm I'm thanks, Mandy. That cool. That's fine. I'm okay with it. You know what? I feel the second season really highlights (laughs) Parker's acting abilities. And as a matter of fact, Miranda really fleshed out her character towards the end of that season as well. So I believe. Like we can dress up like characters from from that show for Halloween. Oh, man. I would dude, like this is uh, Mac. I, I just need her to be able to cook a few vegan dishes just to spice it up. I mean, right, she doesn't have to cook. I cook. I'm actually I'm very I, proficient I, at cooking. I'll tell you what. I'm. I only work till ten on Saturday, and I plan on going out. She's probably gonna be at the bar. I can just bring like a question and be like, "All right, Mandy, listen. You know, just, <laughs> I know we're just bar friends, but do you have crystals? I'm gonna have to ask you just a few questions. Okay. Do you have crystals in the house? No. Okay, that's good. Um, are you willing to cut back to less than forty hours on the yoga thing? You are. Okay, great. Um, now what do you drive a super, Ooh, Subaru. Okay. All right. We're going to go there. Okay. So are you, do you like women or men? (laughs) What Mandy, I had to ask you drive a Subaru. Okay. Like, (laughs) like, like, uh, Jason lives in Mexico and just, I just would imagine no, if imagine me pulling up. Imagine me pulling up, Mac, to like the blackest mall in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's fuck, and I'm just grinning ear to ear. They're like, "Why do you look so happy?" I'm like, "Because I never get yelled at." <laughs> the thing is, I'll ask you the question. Be like, "Okay, you pass. I'm just gonna call you." <laughs> Jason, it's a little loud, but I, I got someone here that wants to talk to you. Yeah, it's it's Mandy. She actually passed the test. She was good. <laughs> Are you buying her the ticket? <laughs> I'm enjoying the racist turn in my <laughs> character. <laughs> Mandy, is your passport updated? Oh, it is good. Yeah, she's oh, good. Mandy. She's good. She's oh, good. Yeah. Hey, Mandy, <laughs> come on down. 
It's a very comfortable life. I myself do a little yoga. It, you'll love it. You'll love it. He only does it part time, Andy. So it's. <laughs> Just like beach pictures all the time with like, you know, we did Jason plus Mandy with the heart around it. And we'll oh, take yeah. a picture of that. Yeah. She's going to have you like taking photos on her in, for Insta. And she's like doing this. And she's like just down on the beach, turning my, turning my core with my man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, so white. Um, she goes, you know, what would look great in this living room. I have a live, laugh, love. Oh, yeah. Banner. Yeah. Like that level of white. And she's going to have like a Winnie the Pooh, like coffee table book. Oh, yeah. 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 Gotta have one of those. Gotta have one of those. Big Joan Didion fan. Oh, yeah. You're, you're probably going to. Joan Didion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're probably going to have like a, 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 a copy of Gone Girl somewhere in the house. She's going to be like, it's my favorite movie. Yeah. So I had to read the book and I really enjoyed the book. I mean, I'm only halfway through it and I've had it for two years, but I'll get back to it. I've just been so busy. Yeah. She's always busy. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm just busy. Doing what? Being busy. Yeah. I have things, you know, <laughs> I have things. Listen, Jason, if you don't understand how busy I am, this is not going to work. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Put this comment on the screen. Dude. I'm gonna put this comment on the screen. Um, Paul Prescott from Jacobin Magazine says Jason is in this MLK Pog era. Yeah, it's gonna be funny. Hey Paul, next time we come on, next time there's a Beyond the Red Zone, Jason's gonna have a chain with Pog just <laughs> swinging. Oh Mac, you didn't know that was a character that we created for the show. We did a whole bit about MLK going on Joe Rogan oh. coming back in time and going on <laughs> Joe Rogan and being amazed at how fat white girls asses are in the 21st oh, century. I can only imagine how that went. Joe <laughs> the reruns on them white women. <laughs> it was it was I'll I'll have to I'll send you the I actually clipped it. It was like the last Oh thing my I god, clipped. dude. But uh I I was Paul on that show. But uh Pog Pog Chaser MLK is one of our new characters and he's a big that... fan of the BBL. You know what? I am going to illustrate that. I just got um, a drawing app for my iPad Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, buying pencils and paper is, like, too expensive because I'm so poor. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to figure out the digital intricacies. Hey, hey, I figure we've done enough things on this show that have gotten when my mother calls me and says that's too much. My mom doesn't, we don't like talk like that. And, and, uh, once we made a joke about, I don't even know how the joke started. Harriet Tubman being on the, on a black Amex card. And I, asked, <laughs> and I said, there's enough people out there to do graphics. So the whole backdrop of the show was Harriet Tubman on the, on the black, uh, Amex card. And the person that did it actually said, I feel really bad. I'm like, why? Harriet Tubman doesn't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Child, how dare you defame me on a black app? I think she'd be pretty fired up. Like, what is this tomfoolery? I'm like, oh, that's a black amic. Well, what is that? Is that because I'm a Negro woman? No, Harriet Tubman. It's because 
the black card actually is like the most powerful credit card. You could go buy a house. A house, you say? You could buy <laughs> land with it, Harriet. Harriet Tubman, the black Amex card has unlimited buying potential. They only give it out to like the bestest, most superest, richest people in the, ever. Yep. Well, that's pretty badass. It's <laughs> like high fives me and waddles away. It's I don't think she'd be mad at that. But people were like, "That's the bridge too far." And then oh, you know man. we were joking about MLK because we joked about the Boondocks episode. Bro, it's gonna be funny when I draw this up. I have a picture. You got MLK. He's got his hand right there in a suit, and he's got his other hand. Resting on the small woman's back, who is in a working <laughs> position. <laughs> Mac, these white women don't look the way they used to in 1968. Oh my God! And this is how I died. This is how oh I my died. God, my eyes have seen the glory. <laughs> oh man! In the, in the words I found of my out son, that the Kardashian <laughs> was, I almost lost my shit. Excuse me, Mac, for cussing, because that's a horrible word, but goodness, goodness be to the Lord. Oh, man. In the words of my son, Dad, you got canceled. (laughs) (laughs) My face hurts so much right now. Oh, man. Paul said I wasn't on the show, but best believe I was yeah. watching. I did. We get. We got one comment where someone was mad. Oh. Someone was like did, mad about it. You don't understand bro, MLK. Bro, things suck right now. Things just yeah. fucking suck. Yeah. It's okay to laugh. It is fine to laugh. Find something to laugh at. Whether it's a family member, MLK amazed by the fact that white women have an ass to twerk with now, Harriet Tubman on the black Amex card, like, you know, like whatever it is, find a reason to laugh, man. It's fine to do so. I, I like, I was th- my, my, my daughter, I told you my daughter was like, Dad, you know, I am really interested in anarchism. So I bought her the conquest of bread. I'm like, listen, start just kind of picking through it. If you have questions, ask me, we'll talk about it. And she's like, this seems like, she's like, being on the left, it's like really hard. I'm like, you have no idea, kid. Here in America, we don't win. Like, <laughs> we, we just lose. And she's like, well, what's the point then? And I was like, kid, struggle in itself is, is good, right? Especially when you're trying to work towards something better. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, all these big grandiose goals, you kind of got to check those at the door. And then you go more local because local, you can make a dent somewhere. You can you can actually mm-hmm. positively affect someone's life. And, you know, and I think Marcus said it best this morning on uh, Left Flank. He said at, for leftists at this point, you're not voting to change anything. What you're doing is voting to set the conditions in which you can organize your communities in. Mm. That's why you vote now. Mm. And I was sitting there listening. And I was like, God damn, Marcus, that is beautiful. That is, it's absolutely true because the work we do, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to get any help from Democrats or Republicans, but at least Democrats, they give me the space in which to organize in my community and, and try and help. 
right? I know if Republicans keep coming out of the fucking woodwork, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be the case. Um, but, you know, I kind of I sat there and thought about that when I was at the gym. I thought about that and what you had told me mm-hmm. like when we were talking about like the thing, you know, and you're like, you can't have the thing because the state has the monopoly of violence. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, though, that those are probably the two of the most prescient things you could really think of and apply to the situation of American leftists at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Voting, we're not politically represented. So when we vote, it's to, it's to ensure that we have decent conditions in which to organize. And then we can't do the thing because the state has a monopoly of violence. So it kind of leaves you in this gray area. And I'm telling my daughter this, and she was like, so it's just struggle to struggle. And I said, no, even if you only change one person's life, make one person's life just a little <clears throat> bit better, that in itself's worth it. I was like, there's, there's there's some there's some positive look. There's some things to look at when you pull back a little bit. We're seeing some some labor movement. We're seeing people want to get more involved in the labor movement. We're you mean seeing. Our, we're, you mean our, our King Sean Fain? That one? <laughs> yeah, right. We're seeing even in Hollywood. I think Hollywood showed people somewhat solidarity. You know, writers yep. and and actors going on strike. Um, these are these are little. These are very little things. I have two people stay in my house. Two good friends left cats um one works as a counselor and or a therapist in homeless services that's a struggle but that's where we want people of the left we want them in places like that definitely there's more places i I would love to say i just don't want to say right now i don't want to get yelled at later but there's you know infiltrating all these places is, is extremely important the school system yep you know these are important places for us to be um let's keep fighting the good fight and on that note we you know let's go out let's go out with uh with the chill music mac thank you for hanging out with me for so long for another of course man I, I had a blast i got to learn about mlk's pog area you know era and and uh susan b anthony's limitless credit line and you know these are all great things, man. These are these are outstanding. <laughs> yeah, gonna- I say all this crazy shit, and then I I once I I get done with the show, I'm like, oh god, I said all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be funny when we wake up to Twitter in the morning, and it's just like, you guys said what? <laughs> MLK is a saint. Yeah. He he would not like big round bottomed white women. Well, I mean, I know my brother. <laughs> he only loved Coretta <laughs> and a slew of other women not named Coretta. A, a few dozen others, but it's not. <laughs> that is not important. <laughs> uh, yep. I don't give a shit what he yep. did. He said some awesome things. I'm not going to cancel that guy for. Nope. No, because let's face it, even the best of us have done some fucked up things. It's like, not it's a just... campaign of piety. That's right. I'm not a priest. <laughs> you confuse me. I'm just a pastor. <laughs> My faith allows me to enjoy women. You and my eyes have seen the glory of the BBL. That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you guys very much for hanging out with our cancellation stream. And, um, <laughs> We probably won't see you again after this. Sorry, guys. It was fun. It was fun. (laughs) 
Pascal Robert will be here next Wednesday for the Pascal Robert to Mau Mau Hour. If you'd like to be in the live studio audience for that, become a patron. Uh, Patreon.com slash Presents for as little as $3 a month. You can have access to that. Be, join us for movie night. And on that note, we are out.